Let's see. All right. We're here doing Ecclesiastes again, wherever we left off. Oh, we we read through 2.11, but I think we discussed like the first three or four verses of. Yeah, I think we're just kind of trying to dig into the idea of it, right? Yeah, we got kind of hung up on that where he says when he was trying folly and, and drinking much wine, he did all this by wisdom. Oh, yeah. And our was 40 minute speed run. Our 40 minute speed run. So, wait, uh, before we get back into it, too, did uh, Lori and her group have anything to say? Did she talk to you about it or is it secret? No, no, she talked to me about it, but uh, yeah, I guess she, I should press her for more details. It seems like they're really getting into it. And of course, they really have, they really try to uh, apply it, see how it might apply to their own lives. Uh, very practically and, and all that stuff but it seems like they're getting in the weeds seems like she, she's she says it's been very helpful to her to read this book i don't know if it's been a while since she's read it or not but um you know i seen me through um is she uh is it all like a girls all girls group it's it's just a group of her it's her and two other uh, women from our church actually tonight she's they have once a month they have like all the ladies from the church and she's teaching on esther so she's really becoming a bible scholar apparently wait glorious yeah <laughs> yes. teaching on esther Whoa. yeah that's intense that's, and somehow that's how she got to divine simplicity by the way when we were talking about that the other night uh, yeah i didn't she asked a... me about it and i wasn't that familiar with it Michael Rob gave her kind of an awesome answer on a group text that we're in and then cal he had that whole episode on it, as it turns out, of course. And uh, so, but anyway, yeah, that's what she can. Uh, let's see. I'll send out one to Michael Rob. You know, I could send one to. Uh, I forgot to send one to Michael text Rob. To Rob. Text it to Rob. Oh, text it to him? Yeah. Uh, he, I don't, how do I do that on here? Like from my laptop? I'm not too tech savvy, man. I, I, I did. Okay, you got it? Uh, he may not join, but you never know. Um, but yeah, the, I think the next, we, we did one through four or one through three of, of chapter two and we read through 11, but we talked about one through three and we didn't get into how he undertook great projects, yada, yada. You know, I got a very weird note here. Now I don't know what it means. Why do I do this? What did it say? It just it points to verse ten, and then I put Pharaoh's daughter. <laughs> Whatever my See, eyes I desire. Nothing, nothing. I did not withhold. Yeah, my daughter, yeah, I, don't I don't see the connection. Who's Pharaoh's well, daughter? Uh, he married Pharaoh's daughter, or Solomon did. Oh, that's right. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure from my heart. So, no, no, I don't know. Was that his uh his goofs? Marrying a daughter of Pharaoh? I don't know. It's really tricky to me because I don't really know what to make of that. Because, um, it's weird. I mean, when it talks in the Book of Kings, like he builds her a separate house. I think because he doesn't want her living in Jerusalem. So it's like he marries her, but he keeps her kind of outside still, or something. If I remember right, I could be wrong. I remember that. Yeah. And a whole. The whole story with Egypt in the Bible is like 
it's just kind of strange. I'm not sure. I need to think about it more, I guess. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I just don't remember that 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 story very well, unfortunately. I gotta read yeah. my Bible harder. I read it harder, 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 harder. It probably does. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, um, he marries her in. Um, it doesn't say that he marries her. It says somewhere. I don't know. Let's find it. We'll find it. I'll find it really quick, really fast. Um, and there's the Queen of Sheba. But King Solomon loved many foreign women as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites. Uh, I don't know, man. I don't know where it is. I thought it was somewhere. You know, it could be in Chronicles too. And I could, I can always, because you have like two accounts of all this stuff. Um, there's a, let's see. That's not it. Oh, there's Bathsheba. Um, yeah, I don't know. Is, oh, uh, 3 1 has like one line about it. No, two. Solomon, First Kings 3 1, Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Okay, yeah, there it is. Yeah. And then I'm pretty sure somewhere where he's building um the temple, I thought it said something where he built her a separate house. But I could be wrong. I don't know, I, you know what would be probably the quickest way for me just to Google it, but I refuse. I'm gonna find it in here. It's gotta be here somewhere. The only oh, place wait, okay. For chapter 9, verse 24, but Pharaoh's daughter came up from the city of David to her house, which Solomon had built for her. Then he built the Milo. Uh, that's all it says, I guess. I don't know. So maybe he did bring her up to Jerusalem. I don't know. I just saw another part where I mentioned her. Anyways, I don't know why I put that note. That's a little strange. I'm not sure what I was getting at when I wrote that. Sometimes I'll sometimes I'll be on a fast and like these things will click and I'll be like oh and I'll write these notes and then I stop and then I'm like what was I doing <laughs> what was I seeing here just in a malnourished daze yeah yeah just everything gets everything blends together I don't know um, so what are your thoughts on do you have any thoughts though on the whole overall section of one through eleven well it's kind of the, the just the hedonism section right he's like listing the types of pleasures you can have and saying that he's he's had them uh and he extends pure he extends it to sort of what you think of as more noble pleasures like building great things that will outlive him presumably but when yeah. he said all that he's done it was still meaningless and chasing after the wind nothing was gained yeah, that about sums it up. I don't I know what else to get. Know what category he would have for gain, if, if not this stuff. Maybe he has a cosmic sense of gain. Uh, I don't know. 
yeah, it's kind of weird because you could think even, uh, well, we haven't gotten there yet. But even like, I think later on, he even says stuff about like, even your kids and your uh, your heirs that you're going to leave these things to. It's like, who knows if they'll be stupid. <laughs> it's just wasted all. So it's kind of like even, even your legacy. It's like, this kind of still breath. You can't, you can't cling to it. You can't control it. Um, God, there's this, uh, like that guy, um, Dara, that I would talk to a while back, who said he was, you know, like, I don't, I don't remember him. He's, he's got his own podcast called Spirit Box. And he said he's, uh, he's a practicing witch, but he was a guy that knows a lot about gin and everything. But he kept saying this thing and he was like, it was something, it was something to the effect of you just do the work and even the fruit, you know, you just kind of got to give up to God or just give up. He didn't say God, but you know, you just like, like, even if you put forth all this effort and do all these great works and all these great deeds, like even the fruit of it, you can't even have assurance of like what the fruit will be. So even that you kind of have to commit to God. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's a, that reminds me of one thing Paul says, uh, it's something like if I'm poured out in vain, but it, it the in the context, it, it seems like even if I'm poured out in vain, I don't remember where it is. Though. Do you recognize it? Uh, I, I know there's one part where he says I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. I'm a sacrifice. And oh, yeah. That's, oh, is it the love chapter? Like this is Philippians, actually. It, it, it says, oh. even I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon this sacrificial offering of your faith, and I'm glad and rejoice. So, um, so it doesn't actually say in vain. I don't, maybe I made that up. Oh, no, no. No. Yeah, I think I made that up. So it says, but I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid. So maybe that's the even if I lose my life part. Uh, that he was poured out as a sacrifice to God was enough. Like mm -hmm. it was enough to make it make sense. Uh, yeah. 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 It's like, a, I mean, it's kind of a terrifying thing in a way because you could even think about George McDonald. Like he wrote these things and did all this work. And even in Fantasties, he wrote that part like uh, a man who, what was the line? Um, a man who, like, who will be anything is, will just be a doer of his work. And just like start there or something oh, let's see i thought i took a picture of it recently uh no it's in the other <sighs> i did take a picture of it but it's not there i think it's just in the signal chat and i imagine your your photo um app on your phone it's just like pages and pages yeah there's a lot on there yeah a lot of a lot of always in even philadelphia yeah i get a lot of gifts <laughs> no uh, but uh there's a yeah, I don't know. I'm not gonna find it. There's too much stuff going on. The signal chat, but um, like if you, what if you think about George McDonald? Though I guess what I was saying was like, you know, you write these books, and then and then what can you do but die? You know, and then you kind of just it's like, who's gonna find them? Who's gonna find uh your writings? And then who's gonna like? There's even like the possibility of someone twisting it, or like, you know, or even the the stuff that Paul wrote. It's like how many times could people just twist the things he says or something like that? So it's like, even the fruit from the work you did, it's like, you kind of just got to eventually just go in peace and just commit it to God and be like, even if for 
thousand years, people read my words the wrong way. Eventually, you'll work it back to good and bring some fruit out of it. Because like George McDonald, I mean, I didn't hear about him at all. Most people haven't heard about him. Uh, maybe it's just this weird circle we're in, but I'm like, but it seems like I hear his name more. And I'm like, he's been dead for like a hundred years. And it's like, just, you just sleep. And then all of a sudden your fruit begins to come, I don't know, come back up. And uh, I don't know, there's something comforting to that and something a little bit terrifying too, because you can't, because you can't have control of it. You know, you can't uh, make people, uh, I don't know, or, you know, you can't, I don't know, even the, even the fruit you want to come from the work you do, it's like you can't, you just got to commit it all to. This, this really goes back to the, the discussion we were having on the first, when we discussed chapter one, about, because what, in what's, in what, in what other human sense could he say nothing was gained if it weren't uh, talking about because he says nothing was gained after all of this. How was nothing gained? Like, what, what in the world does it mean to gain? Maybe the only thing that he could mean by gain is, is to go on living. Like, Did you say nothing was gained or does it say nothing gained under the sun? Uh, nothing was gained under the sun. Do you think that? That's, that's a great uh, divider there. Uh, that, or maybe you're, I don't know what you're about to say. I should just let oh, you no, say. No, 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 no. No, I was just wondering. I mean, I feel like I'm being, that'd be being too nitpicky and too particular, being like, uh, oh, it, oh, it says under the sun, it says under the sun. Because then you could be like, well, because I, like, I think the, the scripture does work practically, practically or whatever, but you, so you could say like, well, nothing's gained like materially under the, under yeah, the sun, like on right. the earth. It's to distinguish the heavens from the earth. Like nothing's gained on the earth. Nothing gained in this life. That's what I, that. Yeah. That's what it seems to me. But then if you want to apply it to even like uh like solar thought and lunar thought, like nothing's gained. Like I'm like, I, I'm trying to see if it works that way. Cause if I if I take it and I'm like, it has to apply to this, it has to mean this, then you know, it kind of like becomes more of a dead word. Does that make sense? Um so I'm yeah. trying to see if it works across like Yes. Yeah, I'm having some thoughts anyway, because Certainly, this is what it means to gain something under the sun. Uh, is all of this stuff? If you, if under the sun is simply referring to earthly stuff, flesh stuff, this is this is what it means to 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 gather up treasures where moth and rust destroy. It's all the things he just listed. Yes, it's true. That's very true. Yeah. Maybe it, that that's not the distinction. Um, but it just means in this life, perhaps. Well, nothing was gained under the sun. Certainly something was gained. So in what sense was nothing gained? Nothing was gained under the sun. Well, because you can't, because the moth and rust, didn't you just say that? Like it's not gained because it, moth and rust destroy it. Not gained because it can be destroyed. So nothing is gained unless you live forever. Nothing means anything unless you live forever. Wait, why is that? Can you say more about that? Well, to me, it's like, look at all the things that he's listing and then saying nothing has gained. So there must have been some loss that makes all of this basically non-gain. And I think the loss is uh, life. I think the loss is mortality. So the, the, 
the mortality is what makes this it's what all the gain non-gain <laughs> what what was even the point i can't it's just it's just vapor just vapor mm-hmm. kind of like are you saying kind of like what paul said like all this is i count all this as rubbish yeah that's a good parallel it's a really good parallel and paul's talking about paul talk, is talking about more than just material he things talking? he's talking right. about his reputation um yeah yeah i don't necessarily people always equate that where he's talking about like his past studies and i don't think that's the case at all because then you would say you have to throw out the hebrew scriptures and clearly he references all those philippians 3 yeah philippians 3 uh i consider them garbage what is what but whatever gains were to oh he is gains too Whatever were games to me, I now consider lost for the sake of Christ. So, yeah, he was saying if someone, this is basically a really good parallel passage. If someone else thinks they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised in the eighth day, the people of Israel, the child of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law of faultless. So he makes a list of things and then he says the same thing. All of this was not gained to me at all. Yeah. I gained nothing. Nothing was gained that's so cool counts all things lost for the excellence of the cross yeah boy yeah i mean i think that's what it's getting at it's weird it's one of these things like i want to i want to dive in more i just feel like i'm i'm getting the uh i don't know it's it's strange because it's like it's it's so simple because it just says what it says but then at the same time like i i wish i had like a deeper crazy profound like twist on it or something or like you know where where it blows open all these other doors but i'm like but uh what all what it does to me is all it does is like it just changes my heart and my posture towards things and it's like like everything everything in this life is is able it's fleeting it's breath um set your mind on things above and not on the things of the earth what is what is um the bible say is the end of our faith you know what i'm talking about the end of our faith yeah the end it's, it says that in my word the end of your the end of our faith oh i don't know like the, the aim of it. uh first peter 1 9 here i'm just googling it. man hyperlink mitch over here hopping all over yeah first peter 1 9 1 9 yeah. and there are there wait almost wait. it's like the bible drill salvation of souls yeah exactly it's immortality yeah well i keep thinking because we got into that kind of row uh last time and it's like is that is that the thing it's it's everybody's a slave to death that's hebrews the end of our faith is salvation of our souls it's immortality everything is not gained because of because I'm gonna lose it. That's that's Ecclesiastes. Because I'm gonna die. Yeah. Everything is not. Yeah. But I I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm like trying to try. So Hebrew says you're a slave, and then what was it? Peter says the end of our faith is salvation of souls, and then Ecclesiastes says that. 
your mind on things above? I'm not really sure. Which is fine. Yeah, we're all slaves to death. We're all slaves to the fear of death, I should say. You know, I don't know. Like, I, I remember, I think being, was it Craig that was in here? And we kind of had a, like, I don't know that where I was thinking, like, and I kind of agree with him. Like, I don't know that salvation of souls is just immortality because you can have immortality. Like, yeah, it's ever, a reduction in some ways. Everlasting. It's like, it's more than that. It's a, what does it say? To know the Father and the Son is eternal life or something like that. So it's yeah. not just, it's not just like immortality because then. I, I, I think it is. Uh, you could say it's more immortality in a different sense, but to, to know the Father and Son is eternal life. To know the Father and Son, this is immortality. What does it mean? Yeah, what does that mean? That's a big question. <laughs> well, I think it means non-death. I think the, the, the big death is the enemy. Uh, but it's not. Oh, my goodness. This is a, actually, probably where we're going to hit, hit heads or something. I am a strong advocate for death being a friend. <laughs> You're not talking about death when you say that. You're talking about freedom from this life. Like dying and then going on. Uh, well, yeah, and dying daily all the time. Like it's, it's death is what, yeah, it's such you, through death, you destroy death sort of thing. Um, that, well, that's how you put it into death is you die. There, there's, there's, there's this death and then there's real death. Uh, the, the, what is it? Uh, like the spiritual I, death? It's First Corinthians 15, the last enemy to destroy is death. Death is the enemy, man, and it's got to go. Uh, or else nothing is gained and everything is winned. Or else nothing is gained. What was the last part? Everything is meaningless. Everything is wind, chasing after the wind. If, if you don't, this is the most like podunk way I could put this. I don't actually know what podunk means. <laughs> this is the most podunk way I could put this. Nothing matters if you don't live forever. But why, how does that, I don't understand how that, that works. Nothing matters if you don't live forever. Yes. But why? Because. I mean, I mean to you, it might not matter. But, I mean, I, I, like, I don't necessarily believe in annihilation or anything. So, like, I'm, I'm on the same page with you, but I'm saying even if annihilation was true, like, what is my life to me? Like, I would, I would choose that if I knew my dog got into heaven, I'd be like, yeah, I'll take annihilation if it means she gets there. And then I'm like, then it's not meaningless. I mean, I guess ultimately it might be to me because I wouldn't be around to experience it. But in the long run, I don't think it, I mean, it's not to other people, you know? Like if I died for, if I chose annihilation for you, that wouldn't be meaningless to you. Do you just mean it in like the personal sense? What? Are you that mad at me? Oh my goodness. Are you picking your nose? What's happening? You muted yourself and I. Oh, this is awkward. What just happened? Oh, did you send something in the chat? What? Should I pause the recording? Okay, I'll pause it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, here. It's going back. I okay. Don't know. I don't know. Something like that. Let me see what I'm saying. No, but I just, so like the, the, I guess what we're saying, the area where it's meaningless, I guess, are you re saying it would be meaningless to the, like, 
to me, like to yourself, because like if you were annihilated for the sake of someone else, it I guess it would be meaningless to you, but it wouldn't be to. Yeah, that might be the thing. They he's talking from his. They're all talking from their vantage point, from their person. Is that's the only way you can in some sense. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably it. It's like you, you don't gain anything. Nothing is gained. Although in a much more real way, something is gained. But uh, so yeah, I sort of see the problem there. But I can't help but think that this is, it's it's all driving at it in some way. And you could start to maybe try to rethink what immortality is or eternal life. But uh, that's that seems to be the thing over and over again it's and it makes sense to me in just a totally i really gotta know what podunk in a totally podunk way i gotta look it up it makes sense to me in a way but like, I like just this term in a rudimentary way it makes sense to me. podunk definition a hypothetical small down town regarded as typically dull or insignificant oh, that was wrong for me to say because small towns full of intelligent people what i'm saying is a very basic basic way this is uh it wasn't wrong for you to say i like it podunk let's keep on it's a cool word but yeah it is it's just small towns from what i think i think you're right like the overall uh summary of this book most people walk away with is the vanity of vanities meaningless meaningless like that's usually what everybody that's kind of the two bookends it seems like that's what everybody walks away with right well, hopefully they don't walk away with vanity vanity uh, on its own. That's uh, a, I mean, that's what I how I feel too. I'm like, I feel like people avoid this book because they feel it is. Do you think it's a book of despair or something? Um, and I kind of think it's the opposite. Like that's what I'm saying. I always get the opposite from it. Now, well, I think it shifts your attention. What you're saying earlier is it changes the way changes the way you live. It it shifts your attention from. I think it shifts your attention from what's finite to what's eternal. I think yeah. it puts you in the right state of mind uh, for how to engage this life. Yeah, I completely agree. I think like, I mean, it's hard. It's hard for me to get it because it's like, uh, there is like one of my favorite Psalms is kind of the same thing. It's Psalm 39 and it says, uh, basically just teach me to number my days um what how does it go uh, lord make me to know my end uh that i may lord make me to know my end that i may see how frail i am or something like that indeed you have made, they made my days as hand breaths and my age is nothing before you uh surely every man that is best state best state is but a vapor so it's like that like teach me to number my days that i may gain a heart of wisdom and that's what I get from this book. Like, I think this is the most meaning, like, even though it's a meaningless, meaningless, vanity, vanities, whatever, this to me is the most meaningful book, like almost in the whole Bible, because it does, like you said, it shifts, shifts your focus from, from ashes where you're like, I mean, like, what is the world with eating and drinking? And it's like, and then, then you do that and it just, it's, you can't take it with you. And it's just like, um, and, but it, yeah, it shifts your, your focus onto a onto what's eternal but it's like i guess i get the despair with it though because it is kind of a because you want to close the book like i can see why someone would read through it and they'd want to close the book they'd be like this is sad and i don't want to think about mortality and i don't want to think about death but this book i feel like makes you confront confront death and confront your own mortality and actually wrestle with it and if you're being honest with the book 
I think it will shift your perspective and, and cause you to focus your eye on, on, some, on what's eternal and everlasting. That's true. And I don't know why it's being more successful than, say, the other books in this library, the Bible, uh, because it, it's, they're all kind of talking about death. Uh, this, one, this one really, like, grabs both sides of your head and says, <laughs> It's coming. Whatever yeah. else you're focusing on, I want, I want every sentence to end with, remember you will die. Yeah. Uh, but uh, it's, it's kind of, the reason that I want to keep on bringing up the Hebrews bit, where it's, I'm probably misquoting, but everybody lives as a, as a slave to the fear of death, is because if you think about this person and you think about the, the pleasure and the comfort he's describing, he doesn't have to do anything. He's got all these slaves in his house. Uh, he's, he's got all kinds of money. He's got a harem full of women. He has just, he has everything that he, he thinks is going to give him pleasure. And um, you might imagine that analog for yourself, what exactly that might mean to you. It probably wouldn't be a stockpile of silver and gold, but you can imagine sort of the, the pleasure palace that you would build for yourself. And you think, well, how, realistically, how could you live in that and not be happy and not be comforted? And I think the answer is because you're enslaved to the fear of death. It's like haunting you constantly. It's like the ghost in, it's this walk in the halls of your palace. It's, it's, it's haunting you. You can't, you can't stop thinking about it. It's like, and so there has to be something that defeats this idea of death, that, that releases you from the fear of death, that destroys the final enemy uh, um, in order for there to ever be any real gain. And that's the reason why someone like Paul can say, even if I lose my life and I'm, and poured out as a drink offering for the Lord, then it's good. And that's why you can say something like, uh, you know, you always make fun of me about our first conversation, how I asked you if you'd ever been loved. But in our first conversation, you told me that not only would you die for your dog, but you would die for me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's the reason somebody like you can say something like that is because you've been liberated from the fear of death. I think some people pretend to be liberated from their fear of death, and I think some people genuinely are. But I know, and I really believe that everybody wants to live because uh, everyone wants to gain. Everyone yeah. Wants to in, in yeah, I think you're right. And everybody does want to live. And it's just kind of the, uh, I think the thing too is like, it's not, I think maybe where we get off track too is like, we think of eternal life as something like just living forever. And it's like, well, what is that life if you're, if you're alone even? Or what is that life if, if you, if you have, if you have this mindset of like, I'll get a, God's going to build me a palace in heaven and then I'll have a bunch of goodies. It's like, that's nothing. Like your utopia is going to be your hell unless like, unless you're willing to give your life for someone else. Because if you're not, if you're consistent in choosing yourself over others, then you're just going to be all alone and you might have all these goodies. But like you said, they're going to haunt you every day. It's like, even if they're eternal, even if every day you get up every single day and you get to eat whatever you want, you get to drink whatever you want, you get to like do whatever you want, but you're alone every single day being stuck in that cycle for eternity is hell. Like is, yeah. You're so, the right track of, of reshaping what it means to have eternal life. Oh, yeah, you said, what, what was the verse you put it earlier about Christ is it, Jesus is eternal life. Oh, uh, to know, whereas this is eternal life to know the father and the son. Yes, yeah, so here, here you're starting to reshape it from endless days to uh, a relationship. 
Yeah, but can you enjoy the relationship if it's finite? That's a sad question, man. But if uh, it's finite, it's yeah, I think I mean I think so, but it's uh. So I think you're reshaping it in the right way, but uh, we might be discarding something too soon that we have to keep. So it can't be oh, like oh it is relationship, but it's also I in in some in some actual kind of way got to be endless number of days, uh, and it, I feel I feel really rudimentary saying this, but I think I don't. If you're going to be haunted by death, nothing is gained. Everything is meaningless. Chasing the wind. Uh, yeah, yeah, we have that. I mean, everybody, we all have. That. I shouldn't say we all. I feel like we have this sense where. I mean, the, the verse we haven't got to yet does say we all have this sense in us that there's eternity in us. It's like, it's not a, a stretch of time. I mean, because I guess everybody sees that differently where some people does lay out kind of linear, like it just goes on and on and on. But then other people see it as like a, a circular pattern. It's just like an endless, an endless. Uh... It has to be endless because even if you, Jason, even if you become totally selfless, you know, your only concern is for your dog. If it's not endless, you're going to be haunted by the fear of his death. Uh, even if you can kind of, a, in some miracle, escape the fear of your own death. Uh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Perfect love, I give my life for this person. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, because there's there has to be, surely there is a hereafter, and your hope will not be cut off. That's mm -hmm. some other verse in there. Mm -hmm. Like, surely there is a hereafter. Uh, otherwise, the death of his saints wouldn't be precious. Like, it wouldn't be precious in God's sight. If, a, if they're if there wasn't a hereafter, if it was finite, like uh, when I did put my dog down, it was like this precious thing um, because it's like a, I think it's just like rolling over and going to sleep or something. And then it's like, you know, it's not the end. And I think we know it's not the end because otherwise, why wouldn't you be a prick at people's funerals? Like that's one thing, like someone can die and they can be a jerk, but like when you're at their funerals, like have you ever noticed that everybody keeps quiet? Because we have this sense of like, like, I don't know. It's like, don't speak ill over the dead. And it's like, why? If they're dead, they're dead. Say whatever you want. But it's like, it's like there's, they're somewhere else now. And let's not like rest in peace sort of thing. Their soul needs to be in peace. Uh, so let's not damn them. Yeah. This is incredible because one of the ingredients Almost certainly, as we talk, I feel more certain. One of the ingredients to meaning and gain, actual meaning and actual gain, has to be endlessness, eternal eternity. I think so. I mean, that's what we all, otherwise there wouldn't, yeah, I think hope, there wouldn't be hope, because hope is endless, I think. Seems like it's endless. It seems like it's always pushing the border of, of my boundaries like i can i can uh, come to this point of um you know where you like you conceptualize even heaven what you think heaven might be or something and it's like then hope uh just pushes it further and it's like uh, love hopes all things endures all things like it's just endless um the same thing with memory too it's like I don't, I don't know something with hope and memory it's like the past and the future Right. yeah i don't know we have yeah i think you're right there is a sense of like endlessness 
Otherwise, it just leads to despair. For me, it does. I think. Wherever wherever hope dies, it's just there's there's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's no more light, I guess. So. I know that everything that we're saying is wrong because we didn't pray when we started. Oh no! This really is that was like, my fault. I'm being poured out in vain right now, man. Oh yeah. Uh, do you got, you want to move on to 12 through 26? Or- yeah, we can do that. You want to pray first? I can pray. If you, if you don't want to. Do you want to? I'll do it. All right, Father, we just come before you right now. We thank you for this uh, uh, time we get to look at Ecclesiastes, the time we get to spend in, in your word. I ask that you stir up our hearts uh, to just really dive in deep and just have a love for it, Father. And I ask that you read it with us and open up our eyes to see new things and I said we read it in communion with you, and you, uh, we share we share with you in these moments, Father. And we're both very, 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 very sorry for not praying earlier. Don't strike us, Amen. Amen. By the way, do you have a tradition in your family, or even personally, of like uh, praying before a meal? Yeah, my parents usually do. I often forget. Yeah, I probably do. 25% of the time at this stage of my life. But of course, it was a big part of my life growing up. You think it's it's a good tradition? Yeah, I think for sure. Yeah. I think even, I mean, I think anybody that's spiritual would probably agree. Uh, even if they don't believe in God, I think they would agree it's good to bless your food. I mean, I like like the uh, like witchcraft podcasts I've listened to before, even they'll say the same thing. Like you should bless your food. Like it actually has an effect. Like what you say. And, and attention and intention is very powerful in this world because of things like consciousness and the spirit world. And so they're like, it's, I mean, if you're not Christian, I think blessing your food is good. Uh, what are the contents of the, the food blessings that you normally hear or that you normally do yourself if you're asked to? Usually they're very, you know, it's, yeah, it's kind of like a ritual. Like everybody's got their, uh, what is, what is ours in our family? Um, we thank you for this food. I ask that you let it be uh, health and nourishment to our bodies. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Like that's usually, I think, the, almost the exact words. That's beautiful. You know... What, do you have one? What's yours? I don't have... Uh, I, I don't even remember what my family tended to say growing up now. But I, I, I don't have a, a rote one right now. Uh, I know I feel... I, we discussed this then the first time we talked but uh, about Ecclesiastes for some reason. But uh, I feel really awkward praying out loud around people. I think sometimes um, I feel more sincere when I'm alone anyway. Like I think I sort of crank into this performative mode when I'm around anyone. Yeah, and so, sorry. And you don't, uh, you, you kind of have an icky feeling about mixing performance and prayer. So maybe that's what's behind it. I don't know. Yeah, no, I understand. It's tough. It's tough to do that, and you don't want to do it. Yeah, it's just ever like putting on a show. But then there's a weird, a weird part of me where like, uh, I don't ever want to get in the way of something like that too. And so sometimes I'm like, well, I'll just do it to make a fool of myself. Because if I make a fool of myself, then uh, that's the worst. Like, it's not the worst thing that could happen. So, uh, yeah, but it's hard. It's hard to stay genuine, especially when you know. You're doing it in front of people and even when you know it's being like recorded like we don't have to post this you know but it's like well i probably will 
and then people are gonna hear the prayer and it's like oh i hope it's a good one but oh yeah i mean and then i mean you, since you, i mean the whole the whole idea of being recorded but it's probably helpful because it it makes you answer for what you say a little more of course i don't sometimes i will forget about it after we we get rolling just yeah to, i usually i can't even like 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 i said man it's been like months i i can't even go back and listen to myself anymore i'm just like maybe it's because like i'm in the signal app too now and i just feel like i'm constantly talking too much all the time and i'm like i've got to be i've got to be saying the dumbest stuff at this point if i just keep talking i'm like golly I don't just know. Very funny because it actually means that I listen to your voice a huge part of my day. It's like, and I'm going, it's like you're talking in my ear all day. It's so funny. It's <laughs> weird. The future is weird. It's going to get weirder, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Turn to read, though. Are you okay, yeah, I can do that. When I, when I turn myself to consider wisdom and madness and folly, for what can the man do who succeeds the king? Only what he has already done. Then I saw that wisdom excels folly as light excels darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. Yet I myself perceived that the same event happens to them all. So I said in my heart, as it happens to the fool, it also happens to me. And why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart, this also is vanity. For there is no more remembrance of the wise than of the fool forever. Since all that will now be will be for, since all that now is since all that now is will be forgotten in the days to come and how does the wise man die as the fool don't me to stop there keep going i love the next verse <laughs> um i mean there's a there's a lot there okay we can stop we can stop there's My a God. lot in the next part too what do you think you got any thoughts on that dude uh what more can the king's successor do than what's already been done uh uh, I, I came to realize that the same fate overtakes them both. Do you think that the same fate, that's just talking about death? That's what I get the sense of, yeah. It's just the, yeah, one thing's coming to all of us and it's death. But some things, uh, it, it also reminds me of the it rains on the righteous and unrighteous. Like it's, it's like, or Job, like he did, he lived righteously, but still got like all these consequences as if he had lived an evil life. Yeah. Uh, so it's the same fate as that's why i said a, a couple of weeks ago this is like the anti-proverbs uh because proverbs says if you do this x will happen if you do this y will happen and here it's saying yeah whatever you do man it's just coming for you but it's still like the way you have to do things and he says that what more can the king's successor do than what has already been done like uh michael i was saying earlier today that uh in Hebrew, a lot of times the noun and the verb are the same thing. It happens in English too, like a cook cooks. Uh, but a, a, a proverb is a noun, like a wise saying, but it, it uh, when you proverb the verb, then uh, you, you sit in the, you sit in the seat of the wise man and adjudicate. Uh, and so like the proverbs was the set of tools that the that was given to the, the the Solomon is passing down to his son presumably like this I think too to say like you're going to have to rule uh, and you're going to have to rule with wisdom and this is like the the manual for how to do that but then here he's saying 
Like, even if you do that, which you should, that's the conclusion of the matter. Even if you do that, um, the same faith overtakes you all, whether that's death or it, it scales down to, to other parts of life. Yeah, I think you're spot on. What do you think of this part? Um, yeah, I mean, I think to me that just strikes me that, that that's what it's saying. Like death's coming, like that, yeah, basically same, same fate uh, is going to hit every man because we're all, I mean, it's kind of, a, I think it's good too that that happens that way because you realize we're all in this together. Like it happens to the righteous and to the unrighteous. Like it's like you're, you're all a part of humanity in a sense. And it's like you're, um, I think, I think it kind of keeps you connected in that way as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. Succeeds the king. Yeah, it's kind of interesting when you were talking about like even the king passing down wisdom to his son. I was just kind of thinking like, man, because uh, he says in like the first chapter, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he increases not. And I'm like, like kind of that uh, heavy lies the crown type thing. Like, man, do you want? Do you really want that? Like, you're, uh, yeah, it's kind of like he 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 who uh, knows much is like. Yeah, what is that? I mean, I'm getting you wrong. I, I'm mixing it up with he is forgiven much, loves much. But the part where it says, uh, you know, uh, it, it's kind of the same thing in Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. But it's the part in Luke where he says, he who knew to do good and did it not to him is given more stripes. So it's like, you're, sitting, you're put in this. Like, can you imagine if your father was Solomon and he gave you all this stuff and all these Proverbs and he gave you the book of Proverbs? What if you never touched it? What if you were like, just set it on the shelf and never and just disdain like all that stuff that would be just so i don't know it's like the not many of you should be teachers bit yeah 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 um, yeah or just not having to earn it either like there was a, a jordan peterson said one time he said beware of the wisdom you didn't have to earn and he might have been quoting someone else when he said that but i was like you know i don't know how true of a statement that is but it's definitely somewhat true because it's like it's there's a it's definitely true, I think, in forms of, like, magic and stuff. Like, because you can cheat with magic and, like, go around and, uh, you know, kind of... Cut corners. Yeah, cut corners. And it's, like, wisdom Wisdom won't let you do that a lot of times. Like, she'll crush you. And... It's because Solomon, in, in some way, didn't earn it either. It's like he just received it as his wish, you know? No. That's what people's wrong about. That's what I love about this book, man. I mean, they could be they could be right about it, but to me, I'm like, uh, in this book, like he says the same thing. He says like I scratched and I like basically this. Where is it? There's somewhere in this book Ecclesiastes, and he says like, I searched. I mean, he's constantly saying it, like I searched with all my heart, with all my heart, how to find wisdom. I searched with all my heart, and it's just like that's what's fascinating to me. It's like he prays for God to give him wisdom, and that's what I always thought too. It's like God says you can have it. And I just thought he just dumped it on him, you know, but then you read Ecclesiastes and Solomon's like, I spent my whole life scratching and clawing after wisdom. And she was far from me. He's like, all this I've proved by it. I spent my whole life chasing down wisdom. And then I look and wisdom's far away from me. I never got seven. it. What? You're talking about seven again? Yeah, like, that verse there. But even like, uh, what does he say? Um, uh, in I communed with my heart. This is in, in verse one. Uh, he says, like, 
look, I have attained greatness. Uh, my heart has understood great wisdom and knowledge. I set my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I perceive this also as grasping for the wind. Um, so it's like I searched in my heart how to gratify my flesh with wine while guiding my heart with wisdom. Um, that's probably, I guess, not as much. But there's like, there's other verses where he just says like, um, where he'll say that, like, I, I searched, I set my heart and searched out and diligently searched for wisdom. And like, like, I don't think it was just dumped on him. Like, like I used to assume, like, I don't think he just, I think he had a, a heart for it and God gave him a heart for it. And God said, it's kind of one of those things like you ask God and he's like, you can have it. Like, here it is. Come get it sort of thing. Like, come um, get it. The door's, the door's wide open. Maybe and it's also making me think, you're making me think, well, too, I mean, yeah, you, you could have it in the bag, but I'm still trying to hold on to my past here. If he dumped it on him, the, and then it was because like in two, um, three, when he says, my, my, I just cheering myself with wine and embracing father, my mind still guiding me with wisdom. It's like yeah. his search for wisdom began with the wisdom dump he got. It's like all the wisdom taught him was that he still didn't have wisdom. Uh, and, and so the call, yeah. because the unwise person would think I've maybe, they maybe think I've got it already, but the wise, the, the wise person who got this, this gift of wisdom, they're like, oh, I've got nothing. Like, yeah, I, yeah exactly. Like you and so you're it. scratching and clawing for it. Like, that's the wisdom is to know how far it is from you. Like in, in Kings, like, like that's kind of exactly what he says in Kings. He's like, uh, God, I'm give me wisdom because I'm just a little child. And it's like, there, you got it. There's the wisdom is you're a little child in this big mess of things. And you need, you need my help. Like you need to, like, I don't know. To me, that, that sums it up. Like I love when it's in Lilith where George McDonald says that and he's talking about the little ones, like specifically little children. He says one of them, of one of them, he says she was full of wisdom and empty of knowledge. Mm. And I'm just like, that's perfect way of putting it because mm. i think often uh we equate wisdom with just knowing things but it's like uh what is uh one of my parents friends said something the other day he said uh he was he was um unteach he's, he's talking about some guy that worked for me he said he was unteachable but he knew it all and so Ooh. it's like yeah so it's like it getting knowledge doesn't make you more wise it's just like what what do you what do you do with that knowledge? Like if you have no fear of God, you can have all the knowledge in the world and you don't know what to do with it. You have, you just use it as power or corruption or whatever. Yeah. Peter Hyatt? Hyatt? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. What? You what? That was a guy you guys talked to, right? Yeah, yeah. Peter Hyatt, yeah. Well, he brought it up and he, I think you guys bring it up quite a bit, actually. Anyone who thinks they know does not yet know they ought to know. Is that yeah. the quote? Yeah, yeah. If anything, if anyone thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. So, and I think uh, Paul, what is it, First Corinthians? He talks that. about wisdom for a while. And he said basically he's kind of saying the same, same thing, like, um, oh, what is this? Where are the wise? Where is the scribe? Where's the disputer? Is this age has got has God not made the foolish the wisdom of this world? Has made foolish the wisdom of the world for since and the wisdom of God. The world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. But the Jews request to sign the Greek secret after wisdom. Uh, let's see. Uh, behold, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, the weakness of God is stronger than men. Um, 
what does it say? There's other parts too. Um, where it just kind of talks, uh, let no one deceive himself. If any, if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Yeah, that's what Solomon's doing exactly. Yeah. He's yeah. That, he, that's the sense I get now. I used to think. For wisdom, this too I did by wisdom. Yeah, yeah. Like you just spend all your days just scratching and clawing, trying to chase after this lady wisdom. And then at the end of your days, you look and you're like, just, I didn't even come close, man. I didn't yeah. even come close. But I think that's actually coming the closest you can to her is when you realize I didn't even come close. Like it's mm -hmm. like you're you're in that childlike state, which I think is the perfect place of wisdom. Um, Do you know the best way to get wisdom is what to ask to ask it for it. Is that what you mean? I was it just thinking of that verse in James that I always heard that quote in church. Anyone, if anyone always, wants wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach or something like that. We always made fun of the one in Proverbs 1, I think. What's this one? The best way to get wisdom is to get wisdom. Oh, really? Not, oh, oh, yeah. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding or something. <laughs> in all you're getting, get understanding. I love that. There's another verse in Proverbs that's always kind of stood out to me. And he says, why is there in the hand of a fool? the purchase price for wisdom since he has no heart for it. And I've always kind of wondered, I mean, I can come up with my own theories what the purchase price might be, but what do you think that is? Oh, uh, yeah. What if it's, no, no, no. What? Uh, Say it. I don't want to hear. I don't know. I have no idea. Man. I don't know. I was like, what if, what if it's just to ask? What just if Solomon, ask. that's good. That's really good, actually. Wisdom to ask, and then you get it, and you don't have a heart for it. I'm more curious about what does it mean to have a heart for wisdom? Does it mean you want to use your power well or something? He has no heart for it. Well, well oftentimes, I guess we don't want to do the right thing. You know, maybe. Well, I I, I'm thinking of a, in a context of Ecclesiastes, it's like he doesn't have the heart for it. Like you don't have the heart, like the stamina, the guts. Like the, oh, okay. You don't have. <laughs> it just eggs. wears you out. It's going to destroy you, and you <laughs> don't manage to have wisdom. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah, I like I like seeing it that way too. I'm pretty sure you were gonna really dislike verse sixteen. Verse sixteen. I love verse. Uh, wait. Oh, verse 17, I love. But we haven't gotten there yet. That's where my I love that verse so much. But uh it's so it's so Benjamin Todd, man. <laughs> the mm -hmm. next one. But before we get there though, like I like this part. Uh the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. I don't know why that always I always like that verse. It just there's just something about it that's just kind of it's like weirdly obscure or something. I don't know. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walks in darkness. I don't know. It's just fun. I don't know why. It is fun. It's a nice turn of phrase. It feels different. Yeah, there's a colloquialism on these two. There's another verse. I think it might be in Proverbs where I think it says the fool's eyes are on the ends of the earth. And it's from what I can gather, it seems to me like the fool's eyes are very uh, horizontal, like not vertical, like just on the the, uh, the material things. But I don't know if that's right or not. Yeah, that sounds like it could be right. Well, when you said that, it made me think that they were 
they were all the way around the bend when the the, the wise person's eyes is on what's directly in front of them, you know, kind of taking it as it comes one day at a time. Don't think, don't say you're going to go into this town or that town. Oh, I like that. Yeah, that's really good. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, like the, um, yeah, like, it, is that in James as well? Like, don't. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what I think that I really like about James. It just feels like very practical, like very easy to just take in or eat up. I mean, it's so deep too, but like you can read it at just like, like, <laughs> shut your mouth, watch what you say. Like, yeah. I don't but know. This reminds me of what, when I said, I can't remember when I said John wasn't so discombobulating and you're like, what are you talking about? And I read it and I was like, oh yeah, you're, this is so confusing. And then, is that how you feel about James? Yes, yes. Really? I read James, it was like a, a month or so ago. I was like, what is going on here? Oh, really, man? That's funny. I don't know. That one's never confused me as much. John and all John's writings of just like a pause. And I'm like, what the heck is this guy even saying? Like he's he's speaking on some crazy like metaphysical levels, and I'm just like, what is he talking about? We gotta do John. No, no, we gotta do Hebrews after this, then John. Hebrews. Okay, that'd be fun. Yeah, we should pull Jacob in for that one since yeah. he hates he hates. Yeah. Well, he he probably hates all of them. Yes, all all of Paul's writings. The theological crime scene is what he calls mm, that's it. A, that's a funny turn of phrase. Yeah. So is his next this is the next verse. We'll just read it and then pause after this one. Is this 17? Is that what you meant? Or, or did you Wait. mean 16? For there yeah. is no more remembrance of the wise. That's why I thought you would hate 16. Oh, because, because you hate the thought of not remembering the past. Like having I know. mind wipe. I don't know what to do with that. Like, I really, I really want to explore that topic some more with people. Like, the just the idea, the concept of forgetting, because it's like, if I'm able to forget things, I asked Cal about this the other day, and like, I can't remember what he said. Um, but it's like, can God forget things? Because it's like, there, why on earth do we forget things? Like, there seems to be a utility for it, like a. Not that forgetting is a tool, but it's like there's there's like a a purpose for it, and I don't know what the purpose is, and I don't know if it's forgetting sin or it's forgetting uh like what's that what's that quote in um Lord of the Rings where he says um is everything bad does everything bad become untrue or something like that? All right, there's some some verse for like Sam. I'm gonna Google it real quick. I I've never read the book, so I could be just making this up. Um, let's see. Oh, does the okay? Is everything sad going to come untrue? Is what he says. But then I it says. But then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? What's happened to the world? So I wonder if like if the utility of forgetting is something like that to where behold I make all things new and then there's no more death no more crying because uh, the former things have passed away but then cuz you I think I still think that's the most terrifying thought that could cross my mind is when you brought up just the the thought of being forgotten by God like yeah. that's the most terrifying thing and I don't think I don't know that you could because like he says that stuff in Isaiah like can a mother forget her child like surely they can forget like a mother actually could forget her child but I will not forget you is what he says and if you apply that 
to all creation where it says like, you know, we're all God's offspring. Um, and I, in the book of Acts and stuff, it's like on some level, he won't forget us. So I don't think that's the case, but then it's like, well, why do we experience it? If it's not a thing that can. I have a thought. Um, this is a really profound question. And I, I don't think I've ever really thought about it before, but possibly it's like some other form of, of babble, like so that you, you don't keep building the, the tower, right? Like if I, if I'm able to collect this knowledge and keep it intact, like forever, yeah, um, maybe become too powerful. It's like, we're going to guard the tree of life. We're going to take away your common language. You're going to forget stuff. Like maybe it's somewhere analogous to those kinds of things it's to to prevent you from having some power that you will not be able to wield but i, I don't know i, mean, I think you're right i don't know there's just so much with it too where it's like god it's like it's it's freaking awful when you think about loved ones like i remember thinking that about when my dog passed it was like there was this absolute terror of like the memories you can feel them slipping like they get foggier and foggier and you're like, what the heck? Like, are they, are they just going to go? Like, are you, am I never going to, I'm only going to have is these stupid pictures. And it's like, um, but there's almost a weird little blessing in that because it's like, you know, when I used to hear of like an elephant never forgets, I was just like, God, that's so freaking awful. If you, cause I watched this nature episode one time, there's this mom elephant and she basically just has to, she stands there in the desert and just watches her baby die because there's nothing she can do. And it's just, it's too much. Like it just, there's no food for it to eat. There's no water. And so she just has to like stand there with it until it passes because she can't carry it. And it's like, do you imagine not forgetting every detail of that? And like, so there's this weird like blessing of where like you could forget the bad. But then even the question, it's like, can God forget? That like sounds silly to ask, but it's like, well, then why can we forget? Like if we're a reflection of him, why can we forget? And it seems, that's what I mean, where it seems useful. And it seems like God could forget because you would want him to forget certain things, right? I think you might've froze up, man. Mitch, you there? Pause it. Okay, I guess you're back now. Yeah, you froze for a second. Are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're saying it seems useless, I think, in, in some sense. Anyway. It's, it's useful? You're saying it seems useless to you, forgetting? No, I was saying there seems to be utility for it. I was saying the opposite. Oh, yeah, yeah, because of, of the painful things. Well, yeah, you know and, and that, and I, I don't know if you heard that, but I said, like, I, you know, it seems silly to ask whether or not God forgets. But I was like, but I think he does, because we forget. and And it seems like, like he gives a command to forget the Amalekites. And it's like, he's like, remember this. Don't forget. Like he's like, remember to forget them. And it's like, <laughs> blot out the remembrance. It's like, I think God has a way of blotting things out of remembrance. And it seems like it's like a useful tool in some way. So I don't know. Well, you know, what's interesting about forgetting is we have no reason to believe there's, there's no way for us to know if forgetting is ever permanent because when you forget something, 
well often often when you remember something you're like i didn't even realize i'd forgotten it it wasn't even like it wasn't even on the clock yeah. and then you try hard to remember something you can't remember it two years later it's like it's there's no way to know so forgetting we have no way to know if it's permanent or not and in fact it probably isn't uh, uh-huh. as far as we know i don't know if there's a science behind that but um but there's some things like I don't know. It's just interesting because we experience forgetting, but then there's some things we'd like to have erased for good. It's like, man, if I could just forget that forever. Uh, but then I don't know. There's some things where like I purposely like remembering them because I feel like it makes me more empathetic, more merciful. You know, like when you remember, God, like uh, where we used to be, oh wretched man that I am, like and all those things. It's just like uh, there's 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 good in remembering the the old man in that way. But then there is kind of a point where like you, there, there's this weird hope where like at some point it's like, just forget all that and just, it's cool. Uh, it's been a lot, man, it's been so many years. Yeah, I think often when we say like, I wish I could just forget this, we don't really know what we're saying. We don't know the consequence of it, the sort of that's butterfly good. effect. And... That's a good movie. I need to rewatch yeah, that. And um, I think God forgets. I think God forgets. Uh, uh, I think he chooses to forget things. Remember your sins no more kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or in, I think it's in Revelation where you get that picture of the former things will be remembered no more. Uh, and, and who knows, does that apply to everybody? I would think so. They're remembered not, no more. Nobody's remembering them. Yeah, there's a weird scripture too where like there's another verse where it says in this they will for willfully forget. Uh, what are you, are you familiar with that? I think it might be in one of the epistles. This they willfully yeah, I think it's been one of the books of Peter. This they willfully forget. Uh, and, but it's weird just thinking that 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 you can yeah. actually like apparently there's like a yeah Second Peter three five. Mm-hmm. Uh, for this they willfully forget that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So it's weird that you can like almost like I guess keep pushing things away until you just forget them. Um, it kind of reminds me of like like almost like searing your conscience or something. You're continually pushing this thing away until you let, until you just are like almost drunk or something and you just don't remember anymore. Did you ever read Mary Poppins? Read? I didn't even know this was a... No, I never read it. I remember watching the old one. I never. I didn't watch the new one, though. In the book, there are two extra kids. They're like twin babies. And uh, Mary Poppins, I guess she's some kind of... She's mystical. So she's she can talk to the babies in their baby language. And uh, the babies and Mary Poppins can talk to animals. Wow. Uh, and she tells them... you know. When you grow up, you, you won't be able to talk to animals anymore. And they're like, ah, we'll be able to. We will never forget to talk to animals. And sure enough, when they, they get older, they... That's they, really sad. Yeah, it is. This, yeah. this part of the year is very sad to me. They deliberately... It feels like leaving childhood and like going into adulthood and sort of the the dark, cynical sheen that comes over. It's like you you just willfully forgot that I, that I spoke the heavens and the earth into being. It's, it's very sad. That is, that is really sad, man. Yeah. Yeah, my niece, Ava's like that. Like, she'll, she's really got this connection with animals. She loves animals. I think I told Jessica that one time. I was like, 
I was like, always tell her she can talk to them. Like, make sure she knows that. Because you can, like, you really can talk to animals. And you don't, that's one of the things I regret when I have my dog. I'm like, man, if I just would have been listening, like, just a little bit closer, like, I would have heard so many more things. Because you can talk to animals. They're trying to communicate with you all the time. Like, and a lot of times it's just through the eyes, too. Like, all you got to do is just look at them. And, like, you can see you may not know what they're saying, but you know they're saying something or trying to communicate. And that's like, yeah, yeah I can, think it's like my uh, my friends Brandon and Edie. I remember they they had this dog. He's such a good dog. But like when they first got him, he, he was very skittish. He was like some some dog from the pound or something. And they asked me to come babysit him while they're gone. Babysit, dog sit. So I uh, I remember just being like, at first I started to get frustrated because he was just so. He only liked them and was so nervous. I couldn't even take him outside because I would just be like, he would just like kind of sit there and he wouldn't do anything because he'd be so nervous because he just didn't know who I was. And he was scared because they were gone. They had never left him before. And then I remember like just being frustrated. Then finally, I don't know what happened. And I remember like, I just kind of went down and I'd like had my face like, like just like this far. And like, and I just like was looking at him right in the eyes. And then I put my forehead against his and just kind of like held him for a minute. And then it was just weird. Like after that moment, like we had this weird connection moment. And after that, it was just like, we we're best buds. He was totally fine. The rest of the time they were gone. It was just weird. It was this weird thing of like communicating. And it just took like some sort of a, just like calm touch and just like, like holding him for like just a few, a few moments in like this calm touch and trying to just really, really get, get across. Like, I don't even like, I'm not even saying it was telepathy or anything. It was just like, like I'm just gonna just some sort of peace and then it just like clicked and it was fine. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, dude, you know what you did was very dangerous. You're not supposed to put your face in a dog's like that. Really? He's yeah. a little dog. He's a little no. dog. When uh, no, we I mean it's not little, but we get jobs with a dog walking business and they put us through these classes and like how to interact with these dogs because None of them know you. We met like over 300 dogs. You know, we just go into their house and put a leash on them. Yeah. And these guys are bad. Though so you're not supposed to get in their face because you don't know how to react. Uh, I got close to one like to take its thing off and it bit me right on the nose, oh. like punctured my nose. Oh. I can see what you mean though. Like if you're getting in their face to like intimidate them, I think I think a dog would bite you. Yeah. Like if I did that. The dog whisper quality, man. He knew you were one of him. That was just a moment. It was a moment. I can see what you're saying, though. Like, if I did that to my mom's dog, she would probably go and, like, try to give me a note. Like, probably playfully. Like, not mean, but she would probably be like, I'll bite your nose. Yeah. I don't know. But, yeah, you could talk to animals for sure, though. Like, the same thing. You could talk to trees if you're really listening. I mean, well, every, I feel like almost everybody's had a moment with a tree. Maybe not. But you just, there's this one, there's this tree that just means something, and you can just go sit under it and just... Yeah, like it's, I don't know if I describe it as talking to me. Well, you couldn't. I mean, people study plants, and it's kind of the same thing. Like if you picked up a flower, I think, and you just looked at a flower, and we're just like not studying it like scientifically, but just like letting it speak poetically or something. It's like I think it could tell you something. You know, but is a is a flower sentient? You think? What does that word mean? Is it uh, conscious? I 
I mean, I would be inclined to say yes, but uh, that makes me a little. Fairies, woo -woo. I mean, you believe in fairies. I, just I do believe in fairies. Fairies uh, are like the, sh the shepherds of the flower, right? It's like the overall conscious, or I don't know. I think they're kind of in in the flowers too, but I don't know that they are the flowers though. <laughs> they might live in the flowers or watch yeah. over the flowers, but I don't know that they are the flowers. But I think if you see, if you think of fairies as in terms of something like flowers, I don't, I think that's somewhat helpful to try to do that as well. Because like the fairy of, uh, in Fantasia, remember he was talking about the fairy of the daisy or something, and he said he's kind of like a little country bumpkin, and you're like, yeah, I guess I could see that. <laughs> that makes sense. Daisy is Lori's favorite flower. Really? Did you, you tell her? Uh, uh, probably bluebells. Bluebells? Yeah. What about you? Um, I don't really know. Uh, I don't really know. A it's rose okay. is kind of classic. Rose. Um, I like the way carnations look. Like carnations. I'm gonna. Right, I I'm like gonna... the. How do you say rhododendron? Is that right? Oh, that new song by uh. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good song, man. You remember that horse rhododendron song where they work that word in? It's like it's pretty gutsy to work that into your songs. What is it? The horse feathers one. You know what I'm talking about? No, uh, that's rhododendron. Yeah, look at the carnation. I like. How do you spell that? Carnation. Yep. Oh, yep. there it is. Right there. Like a nation of cars. Oh, that's pretty. See, I don't yeah. even know that many flowers. I gotta go with the magnolia. I gotta go with the magnolia. Thanks, Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah. And that oh yeah that's pretty that's very pretty the the bottom let's see let's see what an almond tree flower looks like good call good call uh, oh we didn't get this I remember they're kind of pinkish but uh it's yes it's a beautiful flower that's for sure it's simple uh, it's yeah, nice it quite simple on a tree in such a great quantity. Yeah, yeah, the trees are just gorgeous. Like when you look at them from distance, they kind of, for some reason, kind of remind me of dogwood a little bit. I think just because it's like similar in that dogwoods are usually the first to bloom, and I think almond trees are usually the first to bloom. We took in the when Lori and I were on the island, we we went up into the mountains and and saw a bunch of almond trees, and I told her to snap a picture uh, of them for you. But how to see if she still has them? Oh, nice. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. What were we saying though? Uh, brought up magnolia. I don't know. You know what I was thinking just now, man. What? If I if I was like, oh, Lori, take a picture of that almond tree. Why? You know, it's like, uh, oh, I gotta show you a picture of of that deer I saw the other day. I'm gonna Google deer right now and see a way better picture. It's like, uh. Why do we want to show people pictures of things that we see? It's like, it's not so they can see the phenomenon that it is. It's just, we want to prove that we've seen it or something or like, what's going on? Yeah, maybe it makes it more personal, like more incarnate or something. Like mm -hmm. there is this deer out there that exists on the internet in the heavens and it actually was in my yard. The internet it manifest, <laughs> the word became flesh. Yes. In my yard. Maybe it's something kind of like that where it, where it just hits closer to home. You're like, actually, because that's kind of how it was too. It, well, I mean, I didn't take pictures, but I remember like 
seeing a bobcat out here one night and I'm like I didn't even know we had those and it's just kind of cool like that and then I told my dad and I was like yeah you just kind of want to tell somebody you're like hey yeah we actually have those here those are they're not just off in some weird land far mm -hmm. away mm -hmm. yeah is El Guapa still coming around I haven't seen I haven't seen her not him whatever her in a long time I like how you mix the, the masculine article with the feminine word well I gotta change it to la guapa they taught me that in Honduras when I was there. I don't know what I was thinking. Awesome. El Guapa. <laughs> I like it. You should keep it El Guapa. El Guapa. Yeah, I haven't in a long time. I don't know. Uh, hopefully she's all right. She disappeared. Like She would literally came every single night, every night for the longest time. And then all of a sudden, she didn't come around anymore. And then I got pretty sad because I thought she, I just figured she was dead. Something got her. Because... If you look online, they can live up to like 20 years, but then it says in the wild, they live only about two years. And I'm like, oh man, that's a massive difference. I guess, I don't know. And so I was like, man, well, she maybe didn't make it. And then, But then like months later, about six months later, she just showed up. And now she was coming like maybe once a week, and then, but now I haven't seen her in like a month. So I don't know. I don't know. Should so put out some more offerings. Your favorite, or not your favorite, but the one you've been waiting for? The one with oh, this verse? Yeah. yeah, let's read it. But also, before we get off flowers real quick, though, that show on Netflix, it's called Moving Art, if you have Netflix. Their second episode is about flowers, and it's just this, like, music, and all it is is just, it just shows flowers, like, opening. Their buds yeah. opening. Like, it's, it's like, it's life-changing. Like, it really is. You'd, you'd love it, man. It's so, like, entrancing. Like, it's just like a, a like, it's just like an endless mandalas or something or mandalas it's, so it's just like and beautiful that we can capture that now at the level that we can is is so freaky it yeah is. it is like there's there's one because when you said rose there's one of a rose and it's opening up and it just looks like these red waves like just like kind of swirling around it looks it looks like waves like coming out of the center over and over it's really cool looking this yeah. is amazing. we we got this we got this portal we're like we're gonna get this pool here and we're gonna suck things into it we're gonna slow them down or speed them up cameras are the most magical thing but right now we're just portaling into each other's house you know? yeah yeah it's really it's really i don't know it's a cool I, I haven't watched the whole show i've only watched the first two episodes but that second one with flowers i was like man it's it's entrancing for sure that's a that's good all right let's do the verse all right let's see you want to do it you should read it. You read your version. because I. All right. Therefore, I hated life because the work that was done under the sun was distressing to me for all his vanity and grasping for the wind. I okay. love it. I love it so much. It is awesome. It is so a relatable. <laughs> <laughs> I hate life. Look, the, the funny thing is, is the thing that's frustrating him is that he's must die. So he's like, <laughs> I have to lose life. So you know what? I just hate life. It's yeah. like, I can't have it. No one can, you know. <laughs> like I, you, you hate the woman you love, and when she marries up with your your rival or your neighbor. <laughs> it reminds me of Sleeping Tight by Lost Dog. Yeah. If I, if, if I had one wish, I would be sleeping tight, close my weary eyelids, and drift off in the night. Mm. Like you, when I think when I said, because when we first started, I think you. I somehow I brought him up and you were like, you know that band? And then you were, we were talking about him. I'm like, yeah, I love this song, Sleeping Tight. And you said, I think you, your words were, that's the most world-weary song I've ever heard. 
Mm-hmm. It really is. I was like, it's probably the most relatable song I've ever heard. It's a, it's a it's a it's a burden to listen to in some ways. It's like, yeah, what burden God has laid on mankind. The one the one thing like that gets me about it though, I think where I like it is uh, is is that's the that's there's this weird hope to me that's like embedded in the song. It's like sleeping tight. It's like asking for shalom. Like if I had one wish, I would just be at rest. And like I just float off into the dream world, and because uh, when it, what does he say? When I dream, your face it is quite clear. I held you so close. How did you dis? When did you disappear? Or something like that. And I'm just like, I've had that happen too. Like where you you see people in dreams, and you're like, man, how is their face so freaking clear in the dream? It's just, and that's the sense in which he actually doesn't want to die. You know, yeah. he's like, I want to be in that dream. Like, I want to be in the different reality, in the better life, in the beautiful land. Yeah. Yeah, there is a real danger, though, to putting all good things off in the dream world, though. Because then it's just in this, you know, you know what I mean? Because then you're not present, I guess. Everything's off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good to be present as well. But I don't know. I, yeah, I just love that verse. That verse is so like, I don't know. It's great. All right. You want to keep going? You got more to say on that one. So I hate life because of where it is done in this one. Uh, so, yeah, I should I should double back because it was just because like the fool, the wise, too much die, so I hated life. But then he actually says it's because the work that's done under the sun was grievous to me. Or what is it saying? Yours is exactly again. Because... Wait, what? Did you ask what mine says? That I hated life because the work that is done under the sun was distressing to me for all is vanity and grasping for the wind. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, just that, oh man, that that vanity thing just gets me like every time now that Jacob said that. Oh, the breath, the exhale. I'm like, man, that's rough. I hated all the things I had toiled for under the sun because I must leave them to the one who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish, yet they will have control over all the fruit of my toil into which I have poured my effort and skill under the sun. This too is meaningless. So my heart began to despair over all my toilsome labor under the sun, for a person may labor with wisdom, knowledge, and skill, and then they must leave all they own to another who has not toiled for it. This too is meaningless and a great misfortune. What do people get for all the toil and anxious striving with which they labor under the sun? All their days, uh, their work is grief and pain. Even at night, oh boy, even at night their minds do not rest. This too is meaningless. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. This too I see is from the hand of God. For without him who can eat or find enjoyment To the person who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This, too, is meaningless at chasing after the wind. Well, that really complicates things, I think. (laughs) It complicates things? Say more about that. It's like he takes a weird turn where he says, well, he like, we know what the final conclusion is, and we've referenced it already. But it's like, at this point, he like, it seems like he's giving like a sub conclusion 
he's like, you know what? Not, since this is the case that we're going to die, you can't tell who's going to come next or if they're going to be wise. A person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their own toil. Just enjoy it the best you can. This is from the hand of God for without him who can find enjoyment. So it's like he's barking up the right tree, but I, I think he might have found the wrong conclusion. I don't know that. It's what Laurie suggested early on, and I kind of argued with her about it, but maybe she's right that he presents these faulty conclusions early on uh, to, to undermine them later. Like, so like the faulty conclusion is everything's meaningless and then he undermines it later saying enjoy life or? Uh, he, he undermines, he said, no, no, no. He maintains that everything's meaningless, which in a way is a faulty conclusion because I would say it's meaningless as far as we're concerned. Yeah. As far as we can tell. Uh, and then he says, you can do nothing but hedonism, basically. And he's like, he's like saying it's from God. You know? What's hedonism? I don't, I'm, I've heard that word before, but I really don't know. Well, when I, when I use it, I mean, it's, it's that pleasure is the end all of your life. Like, oh, I don't think he's saying that though. I don't get the sense that he's saying that. I think I get the sense that he's saying like, uh, just enjoy it while you're here, but it's all vanity. Yeah, like right. it's like, uh, that, um. That like if you if you have good things they're from god and so shrink up like be be happy rejoice um but then you know it's all it's all still vanity and grass that's what i mean it kind of feels this book kind of feels like a wave it's like yeah everything's vanity and it's like but if you but still enjoy it but know that it's going but still enjoy it know that it's going he has these existential tailspins and then levels the plane out for <laughs> has smooth skies yeah yeah <laughs> exactly yeah it's weird too at the very end is when he says to the person who pleases him god gives wisdom but to the sinner he gives the task of gathering storing up wealth to hand it off to another this too is meaningless is it i wonder if he's 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 lumping that in that god gives the person pleases god and god gives some wisdom this is this is also kind of meaningless you think wait what is that can you read your part again i think your version might be a little different what yeah 26 if you want to read it for 26 25 says for who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than i and then mine has a thing that says without him so it says either for who can eat or who can have enjoyment more than i or it's for who can eat or who can have enjoyment more without him for god gives wisdom and knowledge and joy to a man who is good in his sight but to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he may give to him who is good before god this also is vanity and grasping for the wind He's lumping all this together, right? He's saying, like, I really believe this. I had a conversation with an old friend yesterday, and um, she was talking about this very beautiful idea, which I think is is good and beautiful, which is bringing uh, the kingdom of heaven to earth, you know, on earth as it is in heaven. And she does really good work, like, and she works in clinics and impoverished areas and, his medical assistant and uh, but I was like even even if you had the perfect life here it's still not enough I think that's kind of what he's getting at here like even if everything goes right while you're here and God is pleased with you and he gives you wisdom and you have food and drink and something to put your hand to that you you can enjoy even then it still wasn't even the best life is not I mean he's already said it when he listed off like this sort of but earlier it was more like felt like this sort of 
earlier it did feel a little more hedonistic here it, even in like the way you're describing it which is just like enjoy it while you're here this is, these are from god he's saying even that's not enough even that's meaningless you know it's yeah yeah i mean it is it is ultimately meaningless um because you can't take it with you and like yeah. i mean with food it's just a meal it's there and it's gone and then uh yeah it's interesting though hmm like even the most profoundly beautiful life where you're giving yourself to others you're sacrificing you're making the world a little better for people like if you're doing all the the noble things that we think of it's still not enough yeah, well, that's what, I think that's what I mean. Like, even even in those things, that's why I was saying, I think that stuck with me that Dara said, because he said, you know, like, even if you do all those things, you do all those good deeds, do all the noble deeds, it's like, who knows gonna, who knows who's coming after you? Like, and then, like, I mean, because you could look at, like, uh, like Kenneth Hagen, for for instance, like, I referenced him, because my church knew him really well. Kenneth Hagen Sr., it's like, he did... Uh, he had all these teachings, like this great healing ministry, all this stuff. And then uh, he leaves it to his son. And you could argue like, what's his, I mean, his son, I think is a good pastor. Like Kenneth Hagin, I think senior was more of a teacher, but it's like, he kind of started the school then he leaves it to his son. And like, who knows whether, uh, I guess just hypothetical, his son could have just been like, um, just, I don't know, had a bunch of affairs or got in all these scandals. And then it's like, which he didn't i'm not saying that so but i'm saying like if that happened well then like all all the good deeds the father did he leaves to the son and then it's like what, what do you get so i that's what i mean like when dara said that that kind of stood out to me because it's like what can you do like even you got to even offer the fruit up because you don't know what's what's coming up out of the ground after you like after you lay your body down and all your good deeds all the virtues everything good you tried to do in this life it's like you you're not here anymore like you and even if you were here you don't really have control over it you kind of it kind of all has to be an offering to god it's all vanity like it's all you can't you can't hold it in your hand you can't take it with you i don't know the yeah. part, there's a part that stood out to me though i never really thought about it because he says to the sinner he gives the work of gathering and collecting that he might give to him who is good before god and it sounds at first like I want to kick against that always because I'm like, well, that just sounds very, very workspace, you know, like, and, but then I was thinking about it and I was like, but wouldn't you be the sinner if that's what you're doing is just gathering and collecting? Like you would be like, it, it reminds me of the guy in, in Luke sort of it's, it seemed, I mean, I don't know that you would be, I shouldn't say this so definitively, but it reminds me of the guy in Luke where, and the parable in luke where like and it's also the 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 in samuel uh what's the guy's name is it naaman it's the fool abigail's husband where it's got that it's kind of the same guy sort of and there it's the guy who's like who tears down his barns and builds up new barns just so he can gather and collect more it's like that kind of is the center and who's he keep who's he like keeping it up for he's keeping it up for ultimately like i mean i don't know it's it's not if that's your work in life, if your work is to gather and collect, it's like you're not uh, like an open stream for God to flow through because God should be able to give you something and you should be able to give it to the poor or give it to whoever. But if your work is just gathering and collecting, it's like, I guess that would make you the sinner in a way, or you're at least missing the mark probably, I would think. 
Yeah, I think what you pointed me towards here is it in some ways I read it as this is the punishment for the sinner's behavior, but it's actually just saying this is the sinner's behavior. Like yeah. Is- yeah, that's what that's what I thought too. I always read it as like mm-hmm. up, literally until this time, I always read it as this is the punishment. And I it always kind of rubbed me wrong because I'm like, this doesn't really make sense. Like it's like, but then yeah, if that is the this is the work. Uh yeah, that makes more that makes a lot more sense to me. Yeah, it's good. Like, and it almost is kind of a punishment too. You know, this verse uh kind of made me, I don't know why it made me think about it. Uh this is verse in Isaiah too. Isaiah chapter eight, verse twenty-one. They will pass through it hard pressed and hungry, and it shall happen when they are hungry that they will be enraged and curse their king and their God and look upward. Then they will look to the earth and see trouble and darkness, gloom of anguish, and they will be driven into darkness. I don't know why I mean, it just kind of, I guess, reminded me because it was just kind of like, uh, if your eyes are, if you look to the earth, like you look to heaven, then you curse God. And so then you, then what do you do? Like, then all you have is to look to the earth and then it's just all vanity. It's just like so, so dark. That's really good, man. Now we got to the song. Hey, man, did you notice he said that uh, even there's no comfort in dreams even? So it's bad news for a lost dog guy. No comfort in dreams? No rest for the wicked? Um, Where does it say that? Is there... Was that one? Was that the part in Isaiah, or no? No, no. Here in Ecclesiastes, no comfort even in dreams. At, even at night, their minds do not rest. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because you have nightmares. You can't have nightmares. That's what that's what always freaks me out about people that are like die in bitterness towards someone else. I'm like, do you not fear God? Like, where's your consciousness gonna go? And like, have you never had a nightmare? Because <laughs> good luck with that. If you want to go to bed hating people, I'm like, man, that sounds terrifying to me. I don't know. What you thinking, man? You look like you're thinking something. No, it's a terrifying thought. Is what you just <laughs> like, I'd hate to be lost in the dream world and then just like stuck in a an eternal nightmare. Um, uh, you know, when he says... Uh, who knows whether the person will be wise and foolish uh, when he has to leave the things to the person who comes after him. It it reminds me of all of the books of Kings. <laughs> like, one of like wise, foolish, wise, wise, foolish, 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 wise. This is like constantly. Yeah, pretty sad. But then even when you get to the end, you're just like, there's like this last glimmer of hope and it's like it's like you have this one king and he's like he's the king of babylon's coming and then he submits and there's like just a remnant and then what is it like some guy like ends up murdering him or something and then takes like it's like this this tragedy happens right at the end and then they like all get taken captive and you're just like and i think there is a remnant but it's just like the poor and the farmers or something like that it's all he leaves behind it's like they have this last chance and then it's like and then this king takes the throne and he's like let's rebel and you're like no what are you thinking now i have one we they may build they said that we've been crushed we will rebuild the ruins they may build but i would demolish this we call the wicked city what always, is that always under the wrath of the lord uh malachi one. Oh wow 
on the signal, but um, uh, oh, so okay. Here's here's the bookmark that I that I have in my mind after two chapters, and it's and it's I guess I've been saying it one way or another, but yeah, I think it's it, it's true that every everything remains futile as long as you're actually going to die, uh, really die. And so unless, unless death is defeated, everything remains futile, no matter how good it is. I really believe this. But how do you, so how do you get around that though? Is it something like wrestling with your own mortality to where you actually conquer death? I, I don't know. I mean, it, it's the gospel, I think, is the way around this. This is how the, the final enemy is, is actually defeated is what frees us from the sting of death, is that the end of our salvation is, uh, is the, or the end of our faith is salvation of our souls. Uh, the end is eternal life. Um, and so the sting is gone. And so th the, the futility is gone. Yeah. Yeah, this is line the... Uh... Gosh, it's, it's very Ecclesi Ecclesiastes style, I guess. I wrote it in some, you know, just bad poetry, you know, that should be better as a song. But it's uh, uh, the futility of life brought forth the sanity of, of mind and the valley of this darkness has now given birth to light. So just kind of like that, that uh, when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, I think it does that. It confronts you. It makes you confront the futility of life, the vanity of it, the fleetingness of it, and that uh, that actually brings you sanity too. If you actually are honest with it, I think it, it, it makes you more sane because it, it does realign your focus. And then and then it's like what, like, oh, oh, oh death, where's your victory? Oh, grave, where's your sting? It's like, it has no, if, if you actually, you know, are right in your heart and actually do, um, like wrestle with all these questions and actually uh, and try to um, have reconciliation with people and repentance and forgiveness and mercy and uh, seek those things. It's like, I think um, you could go to bed in Shalom. Like you can, death would be Shalom for you. It'd be rest. It would be sleep rather than a fear or something like that. You know, like the fear goes away. I think when you, uh, I don't know. For me, it does at least. Like the more, I, the more you know, these things are fleeting. It's like, well, I guess, like you said, you have to also know the alternative too. Is that you can commit something to God. Like your treasures are stored in heaven, and not here on earth. And then when you get that perspective, you set your mind on things above and not on things of the earth. Yeah, uh, it, you can approach life in a whole different way. It depending on how you look at sleep. I, I don't think anything makes sense without a without an afterlife is my weird thing that I'm saying I think mm. yeah yeah it's just sad if it, I feel like it's just sad if you if you don't like even if I think of death even if death was just like you you died and then you just went to oblivion for a while it's like unless there's something else not even for my own sake it's just extremely sad to me it's just for for your loved ones you know it's like you like even if i went if everything just literally did go black and it was just blackness it's like that i mean you could argue well you wouldn't be there to know but i'm just like 
there's that's what I mean even with memories now I'm like what what is this thing I'm doing like if that's the case like who cares who cares about the dead like who cares about memory like who cares about this life if it's literally all that all that's all there is and there is no afterlife like uh, that would just cause me to kill myself instantly because it just would yeah I think so yeah because they would be I think you're right on the money to say that like there's if I thought this was all there is if this was all there is um I think I think I probably would I think I'd be in despair maybe not so much as anymore because I feel like maybe I have more relationships in my life now but still it's just like uh what are like what what are those relationships unless you actually get to uh see those people again or something or actually i don't know the hope that's what i mean with hope like if hope just gets squished it's like there's nothing there's nothing left i don't know it's just like that's the that's the only light i don't know maybe i feel that's just one of those times where i feel like i'm just talking too much again i'm gonna put my foot in my mouth don't feel that way man we're having a good dinner there's a you know pandora's box and stuff to open the box it's like the one thing that's at the bottom i think is hope i think could be wrong in saying that but i'm like that's to me that's what it is it's like this uh god says let there be light and it's like what the heck is that and you you would say oh it's jesus christ this is the light that came into all the world but it's like what does that even mean and it's like that's redemption that's like forgiveness that's uh that's hope it's like without that there is no hope there is no, you know, if there's no redemption, there's no hope. Uh, and there's no hope for humanity. And it's like, so that's, uh, I don't know. So the redemption of both the living and the dead, I think is something extremely important, like you're talking about. <laughs> you're being so quiet, man. I just say something. I forget, I forget the silence makes you uncomfortable. Well, it makes me uncomfortable, especially when I talk last, because I'm just like, this is, because I feel like I just said something really dumb, and now it's just lingering out there. No, I don't think you said something dumb. I wish I, I wish I didn't talk. Don't say that, man. Oh, that's ironic. (laughs) You have to. No comment. Do you agree or disagree? Well, I'm trying to wrap my mind around the particulars of what you're saying. Um, But it sounds like we're both agreeing that um, you you want to have hope. And I'm saying that the hope is, is profoundly tied to ongoing days. Um, Mm-hmm. And I think you're totally right to say we, we can't have those ongoing days unless there's a redemption of some kind. Mm-hmm. I agree with you that that redemption is is found in Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, for sure. What you're saying is really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're in total agreement. Hey, we're look at us. What, did, what just happened? What? 100% agreement. How'd that happen? So do you want to keep going or do you want to call it here? We're about to do Isn't there a song about this next chapter? Is there? Are you going to play so. it? Uh, oh, I could try to find it. Let's see. I'm going to go to YouTube right now. 
I during it I'll like squawk or something so that you don't get a copyright thing. Turn. I think it's called turn, turn, turn. Yeah, I think it's right here. Uh, what's this guy? The birds. Do you know the birds? That's it. Yeah. That's probably gonna get us a copyright slap here. Or we could do this other guy who's, I think, just reading his Bible. Um, let's see. I could do the birds. Birds, yes. But there I'm hearing it. There's a season turn, turn. I, I don't know what this is. Do you care if we pause real quick though, so I can use the bathroom again? Boy, I don't care what you do. All right, it'll be like like thirty seconds. I'm just gonna pee off the whole side of the porch right here. Oh, it's still recording. Oh, okay, all right, recording. All right, so we're going back. I'm still in this bluebell thing. I think the trick is you have to sort of talk over it or something. It's not it either. Whether it's how do I get this thing to go away? See, low. Ah, I'm just gonna stop the share. Let's see. Where they're bots. I couldn't get the thing out of the way to go back to my tab. All right. All right, share screen. This is how with this sort of thing. This is the bird. Should I look for Bob Dylan? Dylan's better, right? I, I think so for sure. I mean, I don't know who the birds are though. Dude. I probably maybe I should know. The bird, the birds plus Bob Dylan. Well there, here we get maybe I was mistaken. Are we gonna get in trouble for this? The live performance. What? Should I keep going? Here's the thing. Uh, I thought that they were going to skip a time to tear down and a time to build, but they doubled back on it again. Yeah, so, they did. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was the first five verses. Uh, who knows if they're going to... Well, that was the first five and a half. It looks like they'll probably keep going. I don't know. Who would you be most surprised to see in the audience at this concert? M who would I what be most surprised to see? Yeah, if they just cut to the audience and like showed some faces, who would you be most surprised to see? <laughs> That's a good question. 
It's oh, man. Too- I didn't exist. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Who would you be most surprised to see? Um. Yeah, I mean, presumably they they finish it out, but yeah, right. you you want to do three through eight? Uh, three through eight. So just do. Should I read through it or just pick up where they left off? <laughs> <laughs> I read through. All right. <laughs> to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal. A time to break down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. So, obviously, the I think the two most controversial bits of this are time to kill and a time for war. You're probably right. I guess war is the time to kill. I guess you yeah. could have a without murder. You could or what? Perhaps you could have a uh, some type of war without death. A cold war or something. I guess so. What does that even mean? Like, so if I if I'm trying to like pull back on this or whatever, uh, like if so, if you think of war, like what does that mean? If it orig- the idea of war originated in the thought of God, like what does that even what they be getting at? Because I mean, you could you could. I feel like it's almost a little bit uh, facetious. Is that the right word? Um, to to jump from here all the way to the New Testament and be like, look, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Because, I mean, obviously, like, I think that's where we'll probably end up. But, and I think that's probably the right way to look at it. But there have been physical wars. And sometimes they have seemed necessary. In a yeah. way, right? Like, I mean, with if, if Hitler's murdering millions of Jews, it's like, okay, let's, let's go to war. Like, we got to put an end to this slaughter very easily see a christian argument for for pacifism but uh you want to think there's like uh the big picture is we don't wrestle against flesh and blood like even as sometimes we're wrestling against flesh and blood the bigger picture is that's not who our enemy is Um, yeah yeah so um it was like christian was saying the other day when he brought up uh uh, Dahmer, I, I guess. But he was saying, you you f- forgive this guy, uh, but he, yeah, he probably still goes to jail here um, in this case. So it's, in what sense, uh, you have a big picture kind of forgiveness and then you have a very pragmatic, it's like, yeah, you probably have to go to jail. Yeah, the thing too is, if you forgive the guy, he probably has to go to jail. But the, my th- my thought too is, even if, if the guy's really repentant, he probably wants to go to jail. Like you probably, if you're really, really repentant, I think your heart, what? Huh? Did you listen to the video that Christian sent? I don't know if I did. Oh, it's all, this is all kind of salacious stuff. I didn't mean to bring up uh, Dahmer, I guess. No, no. But it, 
in the video, it was the, the priest, his priest that baptized him and, and met with him while he was in prison. Uh, and um, he said that at, at one point, Dahmer had said, um, I, I probably deserve the death penalty because he didn't receive it. He received life in prison. Uh, and he's like, yeah, I mean, they don't, in this state, they they have a choice whether or not they want to do the death penalty. And, and they decided uh, not to. But yeah, I mean, I don't think you're off base and what you did was deserving of death. And he was like, well, if that's the case, and uh, you know, I'm a Christian, God's justice needs to be done. He's like, should I, should I kill myself? You know, should I be trying to commit suicide? And he was like, no, nah, you know, like the, the Lord has given the sword into the hands of, of the government and, and they've chosen not to do it. So he shouldn't, but yeah, I think there's a lot to what you're saying. Well, there's there's a worse where I would say, I think if I was a priest, I'd be like, I think the reason I would say no is because you can't just bitch out like that. I mean, it's yeah. harder to live with yourself, right? This is it. <laughs> like, well, because to me, I'm like, I would if, think if I was truly repentant and had a recognition of what I would did, I would want to die. And I think there's a difference from like saying to the the um, the one who holds the sword. Like I'm, I'm willing to die for what I did, uh, but there's a way of like I don't know. There's a way of dodging what you need to reckon with by just saying I'm just gonna kill myself so I don't have to. Which I don't think that was his heart. Like I'm not projecting that on him. Like I think his heart probably was pure, like actually wanting to, to reconcile and have some sort of reconciliation. But there is a, I think people can you could do that sometimes where you. Were you? I mean, I think that kind of happens. I think George McDonald does that a little bit in the book of Lilith too, where she's like, you don't want to deal with reconciliation or repentance or forgiveness. So it's like, just annihilate me. Like, I'm like, why, why'd you make me like this? Just, just get rid of me. And it's like you, cause, cause dealing with uh, atro atrocities is like worse and confronting the person you actually harmed is almost worse in a way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It seems to me that way. I don't know. Yeah, it's really true. So is there a time for war? I guess so. Yeah, it's interesting. You know what interests me the most is that uh, um, it's verse 11. The one most people quote, but it's the first part of it that interests me the most. He has made everything beautiful in its time. So, and then apply that to everything we just read. A time for this, a time for that. So it's actually beautiful at a certain time, which is really strange. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, Carol was talking about the problem of evil episode that he had. And it was the, the Chinese farmer thing. It's like, in, in a grand scheme, it's, it's invaluable whether or not this is good or bad. Uh, and this is really talking about the grand scheme because right after he says that, he, he says he has said everything. He said eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. So it's exactly that idea that you can't evaluate whether this war is good or bad. You can say that war is bad. You can say that, but you can't say like what's happening is like evil. Like everything's beautiful in its time. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, he's put eternity in our heart. And that's the big picture. That's the hope we have. And uh, and 
he he has seen the end from the beginning. Everything, everything, everything is about what's next. Is it's such a hokey thing. To, you know what it is? It's podunk to say this. But everything is about what's next. Next. You could say, well, what is next? I mean, you can, you can deconstruct the, the idea of time. But so the way we understand it is, it seems like there's where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, and then there's where it doesn't. Okay, so the distinction between those two, there, there is, is, is what everything is pointing towards. And what gives anything meaning is that there is a there and that it's different from this fundamentally and it's renewed. Right. Say more. Yeah, it's, uh, why does it seem hokey, do you think, to me? What, is it, does it seem too homespun? Does it seem too traditional? Does it seem too uh, antiquated? Is it out of style? Is it out of fashion? It, it seems like everything is pointing towards... Uh, towards a telos? The afterlife. It's like the distinction over and over again is like... This is fleeting, that is lasting. Yeah. What's lasting and work for that. Everything is beautiful in its time. How can you say that this is war and death? Well, that's because eternity has been placed in our hearts. And he's seen the end from the beginning. So fear the Lord and keep his commandments. Yeah, it's, it's really hard, man. It's hard to balance. Uh, Everything you did look at uh, like verse verse uh chapter one verse uh verse thirteen came to mind. Uh I set my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all that is done under heaven, this burdensome task which God has given to the sons of men, by which they may be exercised. So like you could say like everything here that we're experiencing is mammon and it's just like a just uh like talents were given to what we're gonna do with or something i mean because it is in a sense like it's all to me like even our breath is, is to us like we don't it's from god like everything's from god um but then at the same time it's like it's just hard to i don't know especially when you're talking about things like war and killing and things like that it's really hard because it's like who can be the judge of that? And that's tough. That's really tough. And and I think was it you I was talking about the other day where like it seems like you can go too high. Was it maybe it's in the other Ecclesiastes conversation? And if you go yeah, too go high, high, yeah, it's like it's like then the wars. It's a lot easier to call like say hey let's go to war over this because people are just grasshoppers and it's like uh they're it's a it, they're expendable in that point because you're not in their homes with their family seeing their kids. Like seeing the dad, the dad that's going off to the war, you don't see his kids. He's just kind of a soldier in the army. Um, so how do you weigh that out? And then 
but then it's like well sometimes that needs to happen and if you're just on a too personal level it's like then it becomes too secluded and, and you don't see the overall larger story and then it's just too circular and insulated and you can't there's not as much there's not the necessary sacrifice uh, that, that might need to happen i don't know there's a verse too where like i mean jesus says it as well but it's in a no it's in psalm psalm uh, 43 i think and he says um he says behold i come in the scroll of the book it is written of me uh, I delight to do your will, O God. But then there's another part, I think where he's quoting in Hebrews, he says, a body you have prepared for me. Oh no, he says, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. And it's just like, like even this body is fleeting, it's vanity. And to just like, almost see it as that, like it's just a, like my body is an offering. Like Romans 12, off of your body is a living sacrifice or something. Like even this flesh I'm in is like a, I don't know. It's part of that 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 vanity noise. It was given to you to sacrifice. It's like, what do you think about it? What is even the thing? It's like, yes, you can zoom out and say the war. You you could still easily call war bad, uh, and killing bad. Yeah. But um, in what sense is it beautiful then? Well. I, I don't know who Cal is quoting, but it is the, the evil uh, is it, beautiful insofar as it was necessary for the good that outweighs it. Oh, why in the world would war be necessary for this good that's coming, uh, this paradise that we're headed for? Is uh, the, I mean, I, I know it comes to my mind, but that's. Not, oh, uh, he was forgiven much, loves much. Um, because I think if you close, you have the story of Adam, the story of all humanity, and then you go through the whole book and you close the bookends, and it's just like we all get to look back and think, like, oh shit, <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just like, like, love grows in that sense. Does that make sense? It's like mm -hmm. love. Love grows when you when you, we look back and we think, man, we we're just killing each other all the time. And then it's like, God have mercy on me. Like Jesus Christ. There's that verse that I think it's in Orthodoxy. They say they pray a lot. And it's like, Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I'm like that for if I just sit there and quote that verse, it just repeat it. It's like all the mountains and the valleys, like it just levels, like everything just brings my perspective and like just everything levels out and it's like uh i think not that any of it's good like you said not that any of it's uh be beautiful now but i think the beauty that comes from uh all the destruction is like uh there's uh you know you can set a field on fire and forest fires happen and then it almost comes back more beautiful in a way you know, I don't know why that is. So like I had my house that I had one time, I had set these bushes on fire every year. And then one time it caught my whole yard on fire. I thought it was going to burn down my house. And so I had a picture in my whole front yard is just black. It's just desolation. Nothing like just, you could say it was just war, chaos. Like everything's burned up. And then literally that spring came. I've never had greener grass. And so I think it's like, to me, it's that like, it's 
it, it, you run into the error where you get into something where Paul says, let us do evil that good may come. Like, and people will be like, well, why don't we just do more evil so that more good can come? Because if, if he who is forgiven much loves much, then doing more atrocities will just cause greater love in the end. And it's like, no, that's not how it works. But there is something to that, I think, where George MacDonald infant it's one of the man it's the part that it makes me cry every single time i read it and i think you've you might have gotten to it now it's where he's floating in the boat or you're about to get to it but he had there's this line that says he sees all these faces of like these past loved ones and everything and he says there's something in him that makes him almost glad that he had sinned and it's something like that like that's like where you're you're almost thankful for the fall because it's like uh that it's the like you watch Adam fall and it's like well just watch him get back up it's like it's almost like it's more beautiful because he got back up because everything yeah. was redeemed you get the sense that somebody that's that's saying oh, look it says it's time to kill so I'm gonna go ice this guy is obviously is obviously missed the point like yeah. if the person this is for the person who is is like suffering uh with the the existence of killing and war and they're, they're suffering under it and then to to say to them everything is beautiful in its time uh it, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it doesn't it doesn't fudge the line at all between what's good and what's bad um it just it just points to a bigger picture yeah a greater and a greater story or something because and I think it's because of that, because he's put eternity in their hearts, something like that. Yes, it is because he's put eternity in their hearts. We, what do the workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden of God as laid on the human race. He's made everything beautiful in its time. He's also said eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good. <laughs> That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. So he sort of repeats that line of thought again. But yeah, definitely the money line is verse 11. Is said eternity in the human heart? We needed that verse last chapter too. We kept pointing to it. And I was like, let's mm-hmm. just get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. time to be born and a time to die. Oh, what do you think about the what what sort of ancient custom am I missing here with the scattering stones and gathering? The casting away stones and the gathering stones. Yeah. Um, the scatterer. Ah. Yeah, I and mean, I think it's like kind of like building, right, and tearing down buildings, maybe. And, well, he already has that line, right? A time to tear down and a time to build in in verse three. So maybe it's just a re, a reiteration of that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe... Why do they scatter? I wonder what the stones are for. Like, if it is for, like, laying foundations or if it's for... I mean, I don't think you'd be talking about gemstones. I don't think so. It reminds me of, just in the loosest way possible, is... uh, um, Oh, man. So, it reminds me of Babel, right? Because... Oh, okay. The the tower falling and the scattering. Of... Yeah, and then they get scattered. Right? Yeah. And also, it's, it's a weird detail, like they weren't building with stone. 
It fills in with brick. But I, I guess it doesn't matter. Let us have something for brick and an asphalt for mortar or something. Yeah. You need a geologist on almond tree. So oh yeah. Living sure. I already did that. Remember? You that, have, went, you, that went well. Did you? You what? Two geologists because uh uh Pastor Hyatt said that he studied geology in school. <laughs> I know. I know. I almost wanted to bring up. I almost wanted to ask him, or why aren't Planet Square? But then I was like, I can't do this because it's just it would derail the conversation too much. But I knew it would be Cal would get it though. <laughs> Um, so why aren't Planet Square? You know, I'm still wondering about it though. Like it's, I mean, like I get why why they are around. I guess scientifically, but they, God could have made it anyway. Why aren't they square? It seemed more sturdy if it was the square. Else do perfect spheres occur? Yeah, it's, it's insane. Like I think, like, that's what I mean. I think the question makes you think, well, there's a reason. And then the reason is something like what we're reading right now. It's like uh, to everything, there's a season. Like there's a, a repetition, a cycle. Like it's round, it's circular. It's a, it's eternal. Like there's a something, something to a circle that makes you think of like unending. I don't know. To me, it does. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the, the circle is definitely symbolic of eternity oh nice yeah oh yeah the ring one ring to rule them all is that what that says <laughs> is that what you tell Lori? <laughs> one ring to rule them all <laughs> all right 14 i know whatever god does it shall be forever nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it god does it that men should fear before him that which is has already been and that which is to be has already been and God requires an account of what is past. This you know. is trippy stuff, man. This is what? This is very trippy. Yeah. But, uh, oh, by the way, I mean, I want to look at this, but I want us to, to realize that there's a time to search and a time to give up. So if we search for the answer and don't find it, it's okay for us to give up, okay? Does it say that? Yeah. It does say that one? Oh, okay. And that there's a, dude, I don't even think we, I think we moved on from this, a time to keep and a time to throw away. What, what do you, what do you, do you have thoughts about that? Um, yes, I do. Okay, <laughs> please, please go on. Well, I would, but there's a time to be silent and a time to speak. <laughs> no, no, please, please speak. The time is to speak. And bro. We can't move past this as fast as we have. I know right. I want to get to 14, but listen to this. Listen to this. All a right. time to love and a time to hate Yeah, is going on. I, you know, I was talking to Craig about this last night because we were talking about it'd be fun. Because here's one thing that I was like, Cal brings this up, and I'm not sure I'm completely sold on it, but like everything has its counterpart. Um, Everything is known by its counterpart, right? Yeah, and then... Yeah. And I was thinking the one thing I'm not sure if I'm sold on is love because I'm like, I don't know if love has to have a counterpart for you to know it. Like, I don't know if you have to know, but then even when we were talking about it and I told, I was telling Craig, like, I don't think hate, I think there is an aspect of hate that at least appears as a counterpart to love, but I don't think it necessarily is a counterpart to love. 
in itself because God hates things like these six things the Lord hates like God actually hates things and God is love so it's like I don't think it's but he pits these two against it when we were talking about this I don't even remember when but the opposite of love we talked about this yeah yeah and I still I still I mean when I think of it I think of hate and that's probably just lots of conditioning but it's paired they're paired with Jacob I've loved Esau I've hated yeah yeah I brought that up to Craig too because I was like but it is weird because the bible does use them like as though like like, yes as though they were the counterparts or something but then it also says the uh, perfect love casts out fear and a lot of people use fear as like the counterpart of love and I don't know why that one has still not clicked in my head yet I don't think I think it's I don't think it's going to because I don't think it's accurate to say that it's a counterpart yeah that it would be some kind of opposite so how is hate love's counterpart because I still like at this point now I still see like self I still see basically pride in the form of selfishness and self-seeking to be the the counter part of love um but I but I mean it seems like you said it seems to be paired with with hate like as almost as an opposite and craig what was the thing craig used it almost in a term of like using different words of like uh attracted to and repulsed by so like this i am repulsed by this i hate and this i am attracted to this uh, jacob i have loved i'm attracted to and esau i am repulsed by or something like that yeah, a um, lot of it, it depends on how you're defining love, I suppose. We have a whole litany of in Corinthians of things that love is is and is not. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't I don't think of uh, God is love, so that's there. But I don't think of love as uh, existence, like a, as being is. Hmm. that's interesting yeah because i was thinking about that too because i'm like because i know i think i've said this before like whatever like if it's not if it does if it's not of the cross it can't exist you know if it's not made of a self-sacrificial love like the cross can't exist um but then that would put love in a category of like almost being versus non-being but i don't know that it's it can't exist but i think it would cease to exist because Okay, like I said, in my head, what is not love is something self-seeking that isn't self-sacrificing. So it's parasitical. Does that make sense? Like it's it's almost self-devouring in a way because it's it's gonna it will choose itself over others. So it will have to live at the expense of others. And so it will cease to exist. Like relationship will cease to exist. Eventually it will devour itself and it will just like the Ouroboros is eventually just going to shrink down and can die. Nothing. It's like it's it's consuming itself. Um, what happens is it gets to the end and then it has to, to gag itself back up. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. You actually eat yourself. <laughs> oh, so uh, so that's where I think, but then it gets into something like like love is being. And so what is not love is not being. But I don't know if that's accurate either. Well, I, I, I'm hearing this a lot lately amongst ourselves, but it doesn't sit with me uh, for some reason. I can't, 
Doesn't and, it sounds off to me? And some, love is being, and and not love is non being, or something. <clears throat> yeah, and even to say. So I yes, that God is love. Okay, but I, I'm not sure that it's not. I, it doesn't. I'm not sure that that has the same extreme sense that we're taking it in. But uh, of course, I could be mistaken. Where is that even? Is that that's not in thirteen? Is it first Corinthians? What that God is love? Is no, that... that's a it's John. It's John. He's oh, always it's saying he's always saying crazy things. What is John, he First John, uh, I think it's chapter four. God is love. Did you? You're and then a... he says, and then he says stuff like, if you if you don't love your brother who you have seen, how can you love God who you have not seen? And so it's like, what's going on here? What's happening? Where is God now? Um, but uh, yeah, it's too bad Cal's not here to spank us, man. There, it's like. Uh, let's love one another for love comes from God uh, for everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God because God is love uh, I just don't think it has the same totalizing kind of connotation that that is being given um, what do you this, mean then it says this is love quote, uh, colon not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So I just don't think like it's like God equals love. I don't think that's the what we're seeing here. Uh, yeah, like, I think Jacob would say that it's idolatry in a way, right? Is that what you're saying? Like it, it, it's not sufficient to say God is love? Uh, yeah, I just don't think it's it's like an equal sign between them. I don't think that's what the is doing it's oh it's i see what you're saying something more linguistically uh abstract huh. that's interesting but i would think like and i said this to craig too i was like i don't know that i don't know that i have a better word to describe god as though like i know love isn't sufficient like it's not going to get at the depths of the nature of god but i can't think of a better way to describe god other than or no. whatever god is other than self-sacrificial love it's a perfect way to describe god uh but uh, yeah i don't think it's the the total of, of, of god like i don't think it's equal to god like that's what go oh, god is actually this this concept of love because our concept of love is finite is that what you mean or it's limited in a sense uh -huh. So a lot, a lot of, of rationalizations come out of that. It's like, well, if God is love, then X or Y. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. If that's the sum of His being, then, then X or Y. And uh, I, well, I don't sum of His being. Mm -hmm. uh, I think God is love, but I don't think I'm thinking about it in the same way. Yeah, I think that's what you're saying. Like our, our, our scope, our perspective. Uh, is so limited that we often pervert that definition of what love really is or yeah, what we really mean by it. because love is man first first corinthians 13 is is it first it gives some really it may give some really really good stuff if you want to meditate on what love actually is 
But yeah, I think I see what you're saying, where if we put an if in front of it, if God is love, then such and such, or he would do such and such, or this would happen or such. And it's like, that kind of gets at what we were just saying, like you in the Chinese farmer, like you can't really. It's just occurring to me how Christological this is, though. Uh, we, we have the same problem when we're talking about the Trinity, kind of, don't we? It's like, uh, the Son comes from God, uh, the Son is God. We have uh, right here in 4-7, uh, for love comes from God, and then it says God is love. It's the same kind of, like, just conundrum that's happening. How can you come from something that you also are? be from the beginning but uh uh be begotten yeah yeah you just said be gotten how can you be from the beginning but also be gotten can i say who can and who can love god unless he he's first loves his brother so it's like that's what i mean it's like it's just weird it gets like sorry what you said did you say next no it gets confused well, yeah, because it's the, I mean, the, I think that's what me and Cal were trying to say when we were talking about the Trinity and we we're like saying how, uh, and he was saying, um, he brought up Pentecostal oneness or something, and I'm not familiar with what that is, but then he was saying, he said, so you have the Trinity and some people will say that uh, God is man and then uh, and then Pentecostal oneness would say man is God. And then he said something like, well, it's both. And I was like, yeah, I think it's exactly the same thing. And the more and more I'm, I've been meditating on it, the more I think that's true. Like, it's like Christ is, because there's two sons of gods, right? Like there's Adam is the son of God. Like it calls him the son of God in the gospels. And then it also calls Jesus the son of God and the firstborn among many brethren. So it's like, uh, like, what is god is 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 god man or is is man god and it's like or does god become man or does man become god and i'm like i think it's both because i think it's um if if god is love and then he gives his love to man and he becomes more god through man does that make sense like god grows as man's love grows for one another as our love grows for one another god god grows through us for does it make sense? So the Trinity is like theosis. The Trinity is like it's there's a the Trinity that's in Christ between the Son of Man, the Son of God, and the Spirit between them, and that unifies them. But then, as we see Adam as a collective body of humanity, Christ is also the same way. And so the Trinity becomes a pattern, and then it it works through a through a Trinitarian pattern of man. The son of man, not just Christ. God, no, sorry, not God and the son of man. So not just Christ is the son of man, but it's like God and, and the son of man and the in the spirit between them. The Holy Spirit, whatever that is, uh, spirit of truth, spirit of forgiveness, whatever. And that that bonds and then it that works between man and man and the Holy Spirit, man and man into God, and it keeps pulling back to God and it's pulling all back into one. And it's making and God's growing through man the more the more loving we become because it's like like jacob says to esau i've seen your face like i've seen god's face and john and that i think it's that the first john he says if you 
don't love your brother who you have seen, how can you love God who you, ha who you haven't seen? And so it's like, just the line gets so blurry between God and man. I don't even know how to talk about it. Like, this is a hard thing. Like, I really don't have the language for it because it just sounds like I'm saying something extremely heretical, but I'm like, I just don't have the words for it yet. I don't have the right language for it. Does yeah. that make sense? Yes, it does. And I think you're probably definitely getting at something that's that's profound and right. But I think language-wise, I it yeah. sounds bad, right? Yeah, because yeah, I think it's problematic the way you just described it. But uh, I think you're probably on your way. I don't know how we could work together to to hammer it out. It needs to be hammered out because every time I try to talk about it, it sounds like I can hear it coming out of my mouth. And I'm like, this idea is not coming across and it's falling short. That's why I wanted to like talk to like, see if me and Cal could go back and forth, like somehow at some point and maybe uh, he could hammer out the, the language I'm trying to get at or something because it, like the Trinity just seems the only way I know how to say it like plainly is it seems like a pattern, a fractal pattern for the, the unity of multiplicity, like the unity of all things. And it's drawing all things to God, that God will be all in all. And it's like, well, if I say it that way, no Christian's going to disagree with it. But it's like, well, then when I get into explaining it, it sounds really heretical. And it almost feels like Why? I'm, I'm diminishing Christ or making light of Christ, but I feel like it's making more of what he did. Well, when you say fractal, I, I, I think the diminishment is inherent in it uh, somehow because there's a source that's just replicated. It, I think it's some kind of lesser way almost. You think I, of fractal being lesser? No, I think of, maybe I shouldn't be thinking it this way, but I think of if a fractal like goes out from, from something that is right yeah uh and so it's the the source is superior to to what will um be patterned after mm -hmm. uh so, so i don't know if so it but, almost gives more so would it give more glory to the source if it is a fractal pattern uh yes yes yeah, so let's dig i mean because we we've been we've been created to image god uh and so in imaging him, we glorify him. But let's. Why do you think that the? If we just we just dig our heels in here, let's let's wander around. Why do you think that the the Trinity is a pattern of everything? To me, the the the, the Trinity is 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 describing something particular, and. and so would it map yeah. onto proofing or I think so what here's aspects of, of creation are are fractaled out from I think I think it's a pattern for everything because um because of creation. Um because when you have one, so you have one source, you have one one God, one source, whatever, but then all of a sudden there's there's the heavens or you could say the heavens and the earth and it's like so then those are so then there's two and it's like what is holding those two together like there needs to be a spirit between them that's going to unify them or keep them together and it's like it's all it's all god 
it's all I would say it's all the cross like to me I think that that thing in the center that is the fractal pattern it is the it is Christ on the cross and it is what that symbolizes and that is the self-sacrificial love um that is that is uh I said it a long time ago and it was one of those things I said. And then after I said it, I was like, I've never, I realized I'd never said that before, but I was talking about forgiveness. And I was like, if I extend forgiveness to you, even if you won't repent, there's a way that that will never let you go. Does that make sense? Like, even if, um, even if somebody does you wrong and they continue to do you wrong over and over and you're like, but I still forgive you, but I still forgive you, but I still forgive you. Like you're still, you're like, I'm not going to quit. Like, I'm still going to be connected to you, even if it costs me everything. Even if you keep killing me, keep hurting me, it's like, I'm just going to keep this hand open of mercy and forgiveness towards you. And it's like, there's still a connection. Like, there's still, you're taking these two things and you're fusing them into one and you're not, you're refusing to let go. And it's like, they can't really be one until the other one repents and then they come back together. And then it's like this, this bond that happens. And so that to me, I think that is, it's that self-sacrificial love is like the spirit between the two that holds the two together. Cause even in marriage, like you and Lori can't be one, like you were two separate things because you're created. And so great. You both have your separate identities, but how do you become one? Like there's something greater that holds you together. And hopefully that's probably the best thing would be that it would be God, but it could just be a covenant of marriage. So you have you, Lori, and then, the spirit between you is like a covenant or something or like you have your brother you and your brother are held together by brotherhood like the spirit of brotherhood or something or i mean and blood like actual literal blood too but it's like those are just different forms of a trinity and where i think it's the holy trinity is like the holy spirit it's that that spirit of forgiveness i would say is what is what really is what it is what it's what pulls man back to God because God creates Adam and then Adam in order to almost in order to have a different identity, he kind of has to leave God's identity, but then how do you unify him back into God's identity? And it's something like forgiveness. Now I remember why the flowers started burning at the wedding. It's all coming back to me. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You forgot. Oh my goodness. Well, wow, when we discuss this, I mean, now it's just like a happy memory where there's a picture. It... <laughs> no, no. I, Is it making more sense now without the shapes? I just don't understand why you're, why you're doing this. Why are you doing this, bro? Why are you trying to describe it this way? So uh, is it unhelpful? No, no, no. Uh, is it because you want to have an explanation for the Trinity? I mean, so, that would be nice for sure. I don't know that's why I'm doing it, but that would be nice. That's the way it makes sense in my head. Because it's like, yes, yes. I. It's like, why do you want to abstract uh, real things in the way that you're abstracting them? Is it because you want to understand something abstract, like the Trinity? And so you're abstracting things that are not abstract in order to, to build a bridge? Maybe. Um, I don't know that. I mean, I hope it doesn't seem like I'm twisting things. I guess what I'm trying to say is like, 
I just can't imagine why you would choose to describe a marriage in that way or a brother relationship in that way. Uh, As in a pattern of Trinity? Because it's, it's, it's a, it's the unification of multiplicity. Like you're, you're, you're bringing two into one, like the, the two become I, one through this unity. I, I just don't know why you want to describe it in an abstract way. And the only reason I can think of is because we have an abstract concept that we kind of like to understand like the Trinity. And so we're using non-abstract things, abstracting them to build the bridge between them. Because now I remember you were drawing this star diagram for me. And I was like, why, why are you doing this? What, what's your end game here? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah the weird, I probably still have it in my Bible. Let me see if it's in the back here. <laughs> All my, all my stars. Star, there it is. There it is. Uh, that's it. I mean, that was like, uh, and that's what I remember saying. I was like, it's not about the shape. Like you're, you're like, why are you drawing the shape? And I was like, the shape has nothing to do with it. I was like, it's just an idea, and the shape is trying to to show an idea of, of it's just triangles. I'm like, there's three points, and then this is how they're connected, and Can it's you just. 90 seconds? Yeah. All right, just 90. All right, I'm going to pause it. It wasn't profound. All right, it's going again. So the objection, right, was like, why do I feel the need to make all these abstractions in order to... Uh, objection, a question. But yes. Question, question, question. Uh, is it... I'm not, and I'm not sure I'm fully understanding the question, right, but would it be something like if it is a fractal pattern then we we're looking for where it actually occurs in in reality and so i'm trying to make connections of like see here here it happens here here it happens here and so i'm trying to like almost undergird it because to me it makes it more more real and more living i guess because i'm like oh it is a living pattern yeah in terms of the trinity and that there's like different and what I think I was saying was like, even with marriage, it might be a different kind of Trinity. I don't know that marriage is far off from like, even necessarily the Holy Trinity though. When you think of something like theosis and God uniting with his creation through covenant or something, it's kind of like, cause we're given marriage imagery with the bride of Christ. And God says, I'm your husband to Israel. And, um, but then when I, I mean, I'm definitely making a different comparison when I'm talking about brotherhood or something. Um, and like brotherhood being the bond between two brothers, keeping them united in unity. Well, anyway, I don't think your, your Trinity language is nearly as, I mean, it relates, but I don't think it's nearly as problematic as uh, uh, in, what's, in what sense are we God, I, I guess. In what sense? So that this is another question. Are we um, a community that the Godhead is in? Are we a part of the Trinity that the Godhead is in? So is is in your imagination the Godhead like say, for example, the Father, humanity, the Son, and the Spirit forgiveness? So this Trinity is is part of a, a a larger trinity that trinity is part of a larger trinity i think that trinity is is like the the one at the center i think you mentioned that that the fractal pattern goes out from 
the Father, oh. Son, Holy Spirit, Trinity. There, there are three that bear witness in in heaven. What the Father, uh, the Word, and the Spirit, or something like that. I can't. So Father is, Logos. God is man. Man is God. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. It, it, I think it's kind of the same thing of like saying God became man so that man might become God or something like that. But it's. It, okay, so here's a question to ask. And this is going to be a pretty heretical question. It's saying, was, this is, and this is probably, you know, I have to toss out scriptures just to entertain this thought. So I don't, I'm not saying it, I agree with it. But like, let's say, did, was Jesus born God as man? Or was Jesus, or did Jesus become God? For like, he was born a babe, like a, a son of man. And then he grew and became the perfect embodiment of the nature of God in a in in a human. I almost feel like I wish this wasn't being recorded right now. <laughs> oh come on, you said worse. Yeah, right. Uh, well, just just to entertain the idea because I mean, you kind of have to do away with like, or at least, if almost extremely take a different take a different extreme interpretation of like the the virgin birth and all those things in order to entertain this idea but i'm saying like if we are trying to yeah, ask your question one more time please okay so was jesus did he become god rather than being born god did he become god oh that's your question mm, basically yeah i uh, mean is it a question or is it do you want to just it's kind of it's kind of an idea to entertain like just the 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 question to entertain like i understand it's heretical to ask that for a christian to ask that basically um but i think the jews probably would ask that and muslims might ask that as well because it's like oh he was just a prophet and it's like okay we could look at it that way did this prophet actually become god like did he actually reach theosis because if you're like what are we all aiming towards like what is this thing we're doing like if you're a jew if you're a muslim whatever like we all want to be united with god like we all want theosis and theosis is being at one with god becoming which then when the two are married they become one and so it is being one with god so like could you ask actually ask that question say jesus was just a man did he actually achieve theosis and then if he did is he the firstborn? Because that would be the, the first new man. Even if you look at it that way, he would be the first new man, right? So is this something you, I'm, sorry, I'm trying to chase your, your line of thinking. Is this something you don't think, but are trying to, to, to sort of build a bridge with people who don't think differently to come to the same conclusion you have? I think the reason I don't, I think I don't, I'd be, I would be okay thinking it. Like, I don't think it would maybe, maybe I don't think it would mess up my salvation, but I don't think I think that because I think there's something extremely, extremely important of the fact that, that, um, that Jesus was God, whatever that means. I mean, it's still hard to define what that means. It almost seems like a deep mystery when you're, when you're thinking about it, but there's something necessary where God partakes of his own creation. Like he's actually united. He actually becomes part of our story. He's not just some lofty God out there. You know, it's like, there's a, 
a necessity where he actually is is in every single one of our individual stories and it's like that's why i think i don't think i would take this position and defend this argument and like to a t or anything but i'm just saying like if i'm entertaining it i don't know that i don't know that it does anything to my faith necessarily um Oh, okay, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'm trying. I'm, I might. It might. I guess it might actually do something to my faith. That's why I'm a little, I'm not really sure. But I'm saying like in terms of, in terms of theosis, it's like, if it was like, so Jesus was just born, like the virgin birth, whether there were other virgin births or whatever, like that that doesn't bother me. I think there, there could have been more than one virgin birth. Like, I don't think that has an effect on my salvation, but it's like, so if Jesus was just a man, but then that child grew, he grew in wisdom, grew in stature, just grew with this love for God. Um, and then just the chief theosis, he embodied God in the flesh and was the, if God is love, he was the perfect image of love. Uh, you could see God's love through his face. Like, and it's just like, he's the image of the invisible God. Like, but he achieved theosis. It's like, I don't, um like it almost like uh i don't i guess what i'm saying is like it seems like then theosis is like uh it's the first instance of theosis and then the pattern can be repeated and and all creation can be pulled up into uh god's glory i don't know i don't know what i'm getting at. i don't know why i'm entertaining this idea but i i I have a guess, but uh, yeah, I think the, the the question that you alluded to within that question is the right one, which what do we lose if that's if that's the case? And it's not abundantly clear. I mean, you you lose statements that I mean, you compromise your text in some ways. But yeah, uh, it'd be worth thinking through that. I also want to think through the. Uh, the Jacob and Esau story that you mentioned a while ago, I've seen the face of God. We have to revisit that because I'm, I'm starting to question him. And um, then I don't even know where we left Ecclesiastes from, but it's, it's about the time for me to, to sign off, I think. Okay. Um, but uh, thanks for the gotta, laugh. Gotta leave it with a heresy, right? You know, it's like, no, just yeah. An, just an American. Well, <laughs> We're going to get into it. We're going to tackle this. Hi, Lori. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Sorry, I have to steal Mitch for so long. Okay. She just got back. All right, she doesn't care. <laughs> All right, man. Well, yeah. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. We'll have to dig into it more. I definitely need to keep talking about uh, this last part uh, that we were on to get better we're language for it. Out. We're gonna hammer it out uh, at all costs. Um, yeah, yeah we're it, talking I, in three, by the way. What, 14? We got to 14, 314. Yeah, we were in chapter three. We got to, uh, are we almost? No, because I wanted us to double back to to one through eight. I don't think we finished it. Uh, but, dude, 14 was so trippy. But anyways, we'll get to it all, I guess. All right. Thank Sounds you. good. All right, thanks for doing this, man. You have you a will. good night. You too. See ya.